Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Glad to be with you here for episode number 78 here on Monday, April 23rd, 2018. I, of course, am Joe Murata, alongside the one and only Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. What's going on, man? You ready for another romp through the world of retro wrestling? I'm ready to romp. Ready to romp? Yeah, I'm ready I to romp. I want to romp. I want to romp. <laughs> and uh, folks, thank you so much for romping along with us as we go through the world the whole world of retro wrestling. Quinn, the weather is getting a little warmer lately. It's nice. Real scorcher today. Yeah, it's heating up. And folks, we hope the retro wrestling talk heats up your day wherever you might be. We have some great topics in store for you. Before we get to any of that, I just want to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. We would love to tweet at you and get tweeted at. You can also email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. But there's a great place to talk to me, Quinn, and all of the other crazy OVP fans. And Quinn, that would be over at the Facebook group. Yeah, Facebook.face. Facebook.face, yes. yes uh, it's, Brutus it's Beefcake. A, dot redundancy. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's the place. Uh, you search for our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast and you'll find our Facebook group. You hit the join button and you're in. That's it. We just, we always hit accept. We don't care who We're you very are. very accepting. Boy or girl, man, woman, or child. Green. Green. <laughs> Yellow, green, green. as they say in purple, wrestling. Yes. yes. We welcome everyone, whether you know a little, whether you know a lot, whether you only like WWF, whether you like everything. No judgments, right, Quinn? We're just there to have fun. No judgments at all. You might say we're having fun, Maggle. We're having fun, Maggle. Black <laughs> helicopters, Maggle. <laughs> and some other things is that you can find us on SoundCloud. That might be where you're listening now if you stumbled upon us. It doesn't have to be where you listen to us. We would love for you to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or formerly known as iTunes. And of course, Quinn, we want those five-star reviews. Yes, five-star reviews, only five-star reviews. Uh, we can't control it, so please, only five-star reviews. <laughs> yes, please, that'd be very nice. There's other places that we could be found, like Google Play Music, right? And yeah, things like that. Stitcher and yeah. Auto and FM Player yes. and all that crap. <laughs> yes, FM Player is yeah. really good. Who cares? Okay, thank you yeah. very much, Gorilla. And another thing that I'd really like to encourage you guys to do is check out our YouTube channel. Because the YouTube channels where the fun is in video, <laughs> yes, it is. in living color. We don't film it in black and white, folks. No, it's, it's not in color. Retro. No, <laughs> it is in color. And we have some exclusive content there. We put up our video versions of the Hall of Fame bites that we also did in audio form. Yes. So if you haven't checked those out, you can do that. We also will occasionally throw up some other exclusive content. There's some older stuff like the the big one is the WWF on Donahue that we yes, did last WWF year. WWF on Donahue. It's a fun watch. There's also those other live reviews, those the, 1982 live reviews. Yes, the right? initial batch of the 1982 live reviews, which is a perfect segue into the next uh, little plug here. If you really like the show, we would love to invite you to our Patreon. Mm -hmm. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Now, this show that you're listening to now will not be $2 a month, unlike some other shows out there that tried that. I don't know what those shows are. No, me neither. But we are always going to be free. However, if you really like this show... You can donate, and we will accept your donation, and you can do that at patreon.com slash OVP podcast, and we have some great rewards tiers for you. There's a $1, a $2, and a $3 tier. 
And for $1, Quinn, they actually get to see the video footage of what we're recording right now every yeah, week. Yeah, you could be watching it right now. You might be. You might actually be watching that and not listening to the show. But if you aren't watching it, $1 gets you that every week. Yeah, that's right. One buck. I think that's a solid deal in all of the deal. wrestling industry. And I got a scoop for you. Quinn's not wearing his trademark hoodie right now. Yeah, big surprise. <laughs> big departure. I mean, it's really just the short sleeve version <laughs> of my hoodie because it's just a black t-shirt. But <laughs> It's true. Uh, and then you add a buck to that for two bucks. This is a very popular tier. You get weekly commentaries. Every single Friday, Quinn and I will watch a match from the WWE Network and you sync it up with us. We count you down and it syncs up and you get to hear our thoughts our pontification on the match that we're watching, Quinn. Yes, the OVP commentaries. Every week, a new match, right? That's right. Every single week, every Friday, a new match. And for one more dollar, you get both of those things and a monthly live review. As right now, we're trudging through 1982 WWF as Vince Jr. starts to take over the company. Yes, I believe we're at May 15th. That was the last one. 82 was our last one. Yep. Uh, yeah, we're on May 15th now, and then on the first of every month, you get a new video live review. So check it out, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. No pressure, and it will not affect the current show that you're listening to now. Every single Monday, our normal weekly romp through the world of retro wrestling. A few other things. We have a few friends of the show that we really like. There's the wrestling podcast about nothing. That's WPAN. It is hosted, Quinn, by two guys that actually work in the wrestling business. Aha, do they? They they do. Does, I don't know if one of them does. One of them is on an extended hiatus, and that is Mean Mike Crockett, an independent wrestling referee. He's joined by ROH's own, the kingpin, Brian Malonis, a wrestler. Yeah, the Wine City Whaler. Yes, the Wine City Whaler himself. And each week, they talk about all sorts of things. Maybe their experiences in the business, some of their favorite and least favorite things as far as being fans or working in the business. Really cool show. And another one you can check out is Greetings from Allentown. That's GF Allentown. It's a one-man show, Quinn. The loneliest show. The loneliest show. Hosted, but one of my favorites. It's a great show. Hosted by our little brother, Petey Winson. He is a uh, very quirky, unique guy. and <laughs> He inspired me the other day. Did he? What did he do? He um, was talking about long-ass TV bumpers, uh-huh. and I thought about that HBO one. Oh, yeah. You remember that, you <laughs> yes, remember that one do. from the, in 1983 <laughs> or something where it's like... It's, it's long like, as it's, hell. It's long as hell, and there may have been a very high budget for it. Yes. And it's very confusing <laughs> why they made little models and like actors like watching HBO and stuff. They did. Uh, and that's just the kind of guy that Petey is. You know, he'll inspire you to check out some of the minutia from pop culture past. He does a great show where he reviews a, a syndicated wrestling program, usually, or maybe a Raw. He's done Raw uh, a time or two. Yeah, but and I find he has a great insight also on just the surrounding of, excellent. of it. So and providing context. So yeah. that's greetings from Allentown, GF Allentown. Check him out. And Quinn, the fans are hot about this first segment this season. A lot of people are seeming to really enjoy it. It's the butterfly effect. Are they hot? They're, they're, they're hot. They're, very, it's, it's they're heating, heating up. up. Yes. Yeah. It's like NBA Jam over here. <laughs> and uh, the Butterfly Effect, folks, is our first segment each week this season where we kind of do a little fantasy booking or a little thought-provoking discussion on what might have happened if something in wrestling's past had gone differently. And we have another fan request this week. This is from Nick Lewis, and he wanted us to talk about what if Lex Luger stayed with the WWF after SummerSlam 1995? I don't know! What are you thinking about this? Well, what do I think? Yes. Um, I don't think it would have been very good for him. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right about that. <laughs> I guess we should 
provide a little immediate context here. Luger had been kind of floundering in the Allied powers in 1995. They really <laughs> didn't do much. That was literally the best he was doing in <laughs> SummerSlam 1995. Honestly, he was kind of just lingering around. The Bulldog had just turned heel right before SummerSlam, if you recall. Right. He turned on Diesel. Here comes the British Bulldog! What? And Luger was kind of like, okay, you know, yeah, I exist. <laughs> yeah, I exist. What's he? He was at SummerSlam '95, right? I feel like I he remember was. that. What did he do? He, I don't. I he saw showed that. up. <laughs> Listen, I saw that pit, SummerSlam '95. Mm-hmm. I might have watched the ladder match separately, like for the second time. Mm-hmm. But I have not seen the live pay per view since the day it came out. Yeah, you know what? I don't know that I have either. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I watched it the day it came out. Right, and I've probably I've watched, watched the, the ladder, ladder match. match on a separate occasion, yes. but I've never watched the entire show, so I don't remember what the <laughs> fuck Luger was doing at that show. And that speaks volumes as to why he left, I think, because yeah. you got a bunch of other guys doing things. You got a dentist wrestling. Mm-hmm. Triple H is on the show. I think Bob Holly is on the show even. But Luger, <laughs> Luger's involvement, from what I understand, as he kind of wandered out during the Diesel Mabel match, and that was it. Wow. And that was the last the TV audience saw of Lex Luger. He wound up doing a few more house shows. I think in Nova Scotia was his last one in September. Of course it was Nova Scotia. Where else would you find a puffy shirt to wear <laughs> to a guess. train station or whatever that was <laughs> on Nitro? So on September 4th, the first Nitro, he shows up at the Mall of America apparently having a stolen Jerry Seinfeld's puffy shirt. But I don't want to be a pirate! And standing next to the train store. <laughs> yes. And we get the famous, what the hell's he doing here? Yeah, you know, yeah. from Eric Bischoff. Get the camera off him yeah. or whatever it was. What in the hell's he doing here? Get the camera Ooh. off of him. And now all of a sudden, Luger behind Vince's back kind of signed his way, weaseled his way into WCW. Eric Bischoff didn't even want him. Sting had to talk him into Mr. it. Mr. Sting. Yes. And you know what? I hate people saying he weaseled his way. It's not like he broke any rules. He had a handshake. He didn't have like didn't a have real a contract. contract. He angled himself into an interview. Yeah, he weaseled his way he into an interview. He took less money. He did. That's how desperate he was to get the hell out of WWF. Exactly. So I don't want to hear like, fuck Lex Luger. For fuck what Lex Luger. Because he didn't do anything wrong. No, he, he, was, was, he was just a guy looking for a job. He was looking out for his own career. And I got to yeah. tell you, he made the right decision in leaving. Yes, he 100%, did. 100%. Because I don't know what Vince would have done with him. I guess that's the point of this discussion. In WCW, he had a really cool thing going on for the first, until the NWO. He was half heel, half face. Which I, I loved it. it. It was very confusing, but at the same time, fun. I'd say the only bad parts were like, I think he was involved with the Yeti and the Giant and all that. He but, was like an associate of the Dungeon of Doom yeah. somehow, but also like a face tag champion with Sting. Right. It was like the weirdest thing in the world. It was very odd. And Saturday night was always a weird program with that yeah. thing going on, right? It was, yes. Luger's career was pretty good in WCW. You know, he was uh, in the first match that debuted the NWO, you know, with Hogan turning heel. He was a part of that match. He was also the first guy to beat NWO Hogan. That was the biggest thing I think he did in his run is in August of 1997, right before Road Wild, Luger won the WCW world title from Hulk Hogan cleanly yep. by submission on Nitro in an awesome moment. I remember watching that Nitro. I me watching it. Nitro, right? And that 
Luger oh. uh, generic music that yes. was so good. Yes, his uh, public domain music. Now, you had told me recently you yeah. didn't know that that was public domain. Until you told me. No, I didn't really? know that. Yeah, I really? Yeah, because I didn't. used to, when I watched ESPN, I remember they would play that during, like, <laughs> like just NFL recaps, so and I was just like... I didn't know. Yeah, I just, I thought it was, like, known or something. No, I didn't know that. And uh, that was probably the height. You know, he lingered around for a couple of more years in WCW, did a few things. He managed by Elizabeth, who he was with in real life at that time. Yeah. But what would have happened if he would have stayed? I would have to say, Quinn, and in order to save that freaking run, because mm-hmm. he was just in a hole in 95 in WWF. He wasn't even feuding with anyone no. that I remember. He would have probably feuded with Bulldog, I would think, right? Because Bulldog had turned heel. Listen, Joe, I hate to say this, <laughs> yeah. but you know who he would have feuded with? Tatanka. Oh. Stop it! No! <laughs> Don't. That's my immediate thinking of where he would go because Tatanka was doing nothing. Oh, Luger we cannot escape no- <laughs> this feud on this show since the first episode of OVP. We're 78 in plus specials. We cannot get away from Luger versus Tatanka. I'm telling you. You think that's the best what, they could do? What else would he do? Who else was free? They would have to turn him heel. Maybe. And feud him with Diesel, feud him with Sean. How do you turn Mr. America heel? I don't know! You have him turn on America? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, but is a big blonde Adonis guy, is that really gonna, you're gonna be able to sell people that he's like an Iraqi sympathizer or some shit? (laughs) No, no, no. But isn't Luger a natural heel? I would have turned him heel by the end of 95, had him feud with Diesel, had him feud with Bulldog. Yeah. No? Or, I mean, had a few with these, had a few with Sean. What about... Feud with Brett? What about just repackaging him or like... The total repackage? No, repackaging Get him it. and have him feud against Ahmed Johnson when he came in. Like his initial run. Yeah, I mean, I could also see them teaming the two of them up because they're the only two people that body slammed Yoko. And Great. they could just be like the guys, the strong men. You know what I mean? Like the, the Yoko slammers. <laughs> the Yoko slammers. I don't know if he would have been in the upper mid-card or the lower mid-card, but I don't know if he ever achieves the world title in WWF, do you? In that climate? world title. I don't think he would have gotten the world title at all. No? No, not at all. Well, because Sean was the guy, right? Yeah. Clearly, in 96. No doubt about it. So is Luger inserted, maybe? Would this work? Let me propose this to you. This is a laughable topic, but thank you, Nicholas, but... Does Luger get the Bulldogs push in mid-96 and feud with Sean? Luger get the Bulldogs push. Remember Hell that no. Push? No? You no. would rather give that to Bulldog? Yes. Who's a better worker, Luger or Bulldog? Well, because what are you going to do? Because Bulldog's got the, the good, like, the wife thing with Shawn Michaels. And good? That. Are you really calling that angle good? i good. Come it's on. something. What is Luger's? It's so bad the lights went out in South Carolina. What is Luger's wife going to show up on TV? That, that lady <laughs> from that weird, like, vignette where he's like, I'm Lex Luger with my family. <laughs> I love America. Yeah. I don't know. What do you do with him? I, I don't, think... I, I don't know! I don't know! Exactly! <laughs> exactly! <laughs> I think he flounders in the mid-card. I don't think anything good comes of it. I think his career ends! No. You think? Unless you put him in a mask or something. Like, uh, how do you put Luger how do you, in a mask? How do you disidentify him from like that a that, word? The, the failure of that Yoko push? Is that a new Quinnism? Disidentify? That's, I don't, that, a, that's a good word. I'm just, I, I don't know what else to call it. How Disassociate. Do you, dis, how do you separate him from that? Do you think the stink of him like never winning the big one in 93 was still following him through yes. 95? And that was part of the problem? That was the biggest part of the problem. That's why he needed to leave. What about Luger versus Stone Cold in 96? Would that have worked? I would never want to watch that. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Luger versus Steve Austin wouldn't have done it That's for you? That's not a power wrestler versus a technical guy like Austin. It just It's a weird matchup. 
So basically what we're saying is that on the WWF end of things, mm-hmm. it would have sucked for Luger and it wouldn't have really had an impact in the major title scene of WWF. Is no, that I think he would have just feuded with Tatanka or something. And just like floundered, basically yeah. like like other guys floundered yeah. as time went on. Okay, let's go to the WCW end then. Does, is there much long-term impact on them? I don't even think there is. No, I think there's impact. Okay, go ahead. I think it takes away from that Nitro launch big time because that was the only thing anyone gave a shit about from that Nitro. They didn't you know care what? about the mall or Hulk Hogan or anything <laughs> like that. They were like, Lex Luger was at this show. That's why people started watching Nitro. Wow. You know what? I got I to gotta hand it to you, Quinn, because yeah. I wouldn't have even thought of that, believe it or not. Yeah. You're right. That impact is inseparable from what Nitro went on to become. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. That was a big deal because the whole idea was then launched that, well, anything can freaking, for real, unlike what Vince had been saying for two years, right? anything can happen on this show. Yeah, it's true. Because Luger, for all intents and purposes in the mind of the casual fan, was literally just in the WWF. Right. Literally. Like, yeah. you just saw him at SummerSlam. He that was, was working the, the Who shows. was why it was a big deal. But beyond that, does anything else matter to WCW as far as, you know, Luger's... Who would have beat Hogan? For the first time, I mean, in a perfect world, it would have been Sting and just better. Do you think, okay, <laughs> it, unlike me, what you, you this, continually if, defend. If this Luger thing yeah. had, um, you know, it didn't happen, right? Yeah. Would they have pulled the trigger on Sting quicker? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The Luger thing was there to pop a buy rate, to pop a interest in Road Wild, to give the fans a surprise, you know, right. to give the live television audience a surprise. Mm-hmm. He only held the title for, I think, five days. Right. If Sting had just beaten Hogan, even at Starcade, but if they had walked it back a bit earlier, it would have been so much better. Yeah. And unlike that debacle that we had to talk about recently, Starcade 97. Yeah, that. Because I always thought that Luger, <laughs> yeah, Luger beating Hogan, as awesome as a moment as it was, it cheapened Sting's eventual win. Circumstances notwithstanding. Nobody really remembered it by the time the Sting thing happened, though, if you think about it. I mean, I did. We're a rare breed. People. You think? Yeah, I think they. I mean, it's only four months earlier. I know, but they. I don't know. They sold it well enough that it was like nobody. Hogan was so unbeatable. I guess so. Is Lex Luger one of the least consequential wrestlers (laughs) that was a big star? Meaning (sighs) his career was solid, but in this period of time that we're talking about, would it have really mattered outside of the Nitro? Like, what's he doing here? Did it real? Did what he did in WCW after that really matter so much? I think that that question goes to a lot of about the question of would Luger make the Hall of Fame? Like, is he even important overall? I think he's a Hall of Famer. You think? Yeah, because of his late '80s stuff and his early '90s stuff was pretty good. The thing is, it's like you think about how much of a non-factor it would have been if this. I, on either side, yeah. yeah, right. I I don't know WWF. if he's really that important. WWF would have been fine. WWF would have been fine either way. I'm I saying. think it would have hampered Nitro, but the NWO yes. would eventually have picked it up. But yeah, and and Bischoff would have still given the results away and done probably something else to give the illusion of competition. Was there any other stupid person that was like leaving WWF? IRS. And, yeah, he debuted could, on that Nitro. Oh, they could have just done that instead. They could have. I mean, it wouldn't have been the same impact but then nobody again cares. nobody would have known you know yeah. that they missed out on the luger. thing is is luger was just as inconsequential as irs so <laughs> i think it's it's sad to say because i like luger and everything <laughs> yeah. 
But that run from 93 to 95, like, fucking sunk what yeah. momentum he had coming into the WWF. Yeah, he had to, like, rebuild from scratch. Like we said at the beginning, yeah. he had to get, like, paid less. Shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> less than 1995 WWF money. Right. Think which about was that. <laughs> right. Yeah. 30% less or something? Wasn't it, like, a lot less? Or- I thought it was, like, 50%. Whatever it was, it was a lot it's re- less money. It's really bad. Yeah. And that's how desperate Luger was to get out of there. And you know what? I don't blame him. So to answer the the butterfly question here, what would have happened is I think Luger's career would have been worse than I think it was. It, I think it would have been over. Is I think he would have gone back to bodybuilding or whatever the Would have been in the indies. He yeah. could have been in an indie. I mean, Bischoff would have would taken him eventually, don't you think? But it wouldn't have had impact, right? He would have just come I, in and I, been like, I, I stink. How's this for criticism? Um... <laughs> You stink. How do you like that criticism? <laughs> I don't know. I it, Would they? I mean, like, his stock was going so quickly, so downhill. Yeah. If he had left in 96, would it, the harm have been, like, Too complete? much to like, overcome. Like, he, would he just be nothing? It's possible. Yeah. I think the best thing that they could have done if he stayed is turn him heel and have him feud with some fresh people. But even so, he definitely made the right move. Right. Definitely made the right, right. move going to... Uh, the WCW. The WCW. So Nick Lewis, thank you so much for that butterfly effect. I think the bottom line here is eh, it's Lex Luger. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Lex. I mean, I like him, but right. he wasn't going to be like a major player in WWF. I just don't think that he fit in with what they were doing. Their long-term planning. I could see him feuding with Sean. Right. And that being okay. But then what? Yeah. Then what does he do? I, I just... <laughs> I don't think it would have mattered. I don't think it would have mattered. So. <laughs> that, that, that's the conclusion sorry. we're coming to. I'm sorry, Lex. I don't even think he would feud with Sean. <laughs> He's nobody. <laughs> I was watching that. I was like, who? What? Like, yeah. I, the Allied Powers guy? I know. Like, it's weird. Yeah. That's how far he had plummeted. But folks, thank you so much for uh, for listening. And when we come back, we have another poll winner for the Rushmore and Death Valley. And it'll be coming up right after this. It was dubbed the slam heard round the world. Yes! Yes! It was unbelievable! Now, the Lex Express is coming to town. Meet America's newest hero, WWF superstar Lex Luger, as his call to action campaign rolls toward SummerSlam. America's hero Lex Luger and the Lex Express are coming to Shopping Town Mall this Friday, July 23rd from 3.30 to 5. Autographs and photos available. Who cares? Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. Episode number 78, Monday, April 23rd. Hope you're having a good day. Quinn, it's time for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. Yes. We have another poll winner. This was actually, this one has been fought for. It was second place in last week's poll. Right. And it won first place in this week's poll. It was actually a suggestion, as are all the poll contenders right now. And this one's from Andrew LaSalle, or maybe LaChelle. I'm not sure how he pronounces it. And this won the poll overwhelmingly yet again. And this is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Jimmy Hart Proteges. Yes, all right. This will be fun, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. This will be great, baby. And baby, today is the greatest day of my life. So Jimmy Hart is a uh, very notable manager, one of the all-time great managers in wrestling. Yeah, you ever hear of him? You ever heard of Jimmy Hart? Yeah. Uh, no relation to Mary Hart, Quinn. Yes, <laughs> as, as was noted in that, that <laughs> WrestleMania 3 segment yes. there. Uh, Jimmy Hart 
was a very good heel manager for a very long time. He's up there with the guys like Bobby Heenan. He's up there with Jim Cornette in terms of just notable managers. Paul Heyman. He's like the second generation of the three philosophers or from, whatever they call them. From the 70s, okay. yes. The three uh, wise men's council. <laughs> I don't know like what the fuck they were called back And he then. just he was very good at getting heat for his guys as a heel manager should. Yeah. He was a great talker. He would take bumps. He would get beat up. He would he would play like a weaselly character. He'd get his hair cut. He would get his hair cut. And uh, he knew the business. And he was actually a very talented musician and songwriter and wrote a ton of uh, memorable WWF theme songs. More, I say, than Jim Johnson as far as good ones. I know, ones. I know. You, got, you, have <laughs> I always, you, you think he's the better one, right? I do, actually. Shawn Michaels taking on Crush. You know, I like these two guys because, after all, who wrote their songs? The Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Nevertheless, he managed a lot of good guys and a lot of very poor choices to be in his stable. Good guys and bad guys. <laughs> and uh, Quinn, Andrew LaSalle had the pick, but why don't you take the stick? Give me one of the best. Personally, I know you don't like him, but the Honky Tonk Man was yeah. like his best thing ever, right? Best I mean, WWF thing. Yeah, the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. It was... He was Jimmy Hart's crown jewel, if you will, even though he sucks. But. Absolutely, no. And one of the reasons this worked, right? Mm -hmm. Honky Tonk Man's annoying enough as it is. Yeah. But adding Colonel Jimmy Hart to this whole mix. He's a colonel all of a sudden. <laughs> he's, first of all, he's a colonel. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jess, the mouth of the South is now a colonel. Second of all, it makes Honky that much more annoying. Yeah, that he's got Jimmy cheerleading for him the whole title run with the megaphone and everything. With the megaphone just being annoying as hell, all the stupid music and Elvis <laughs> references and gosh, what an annoying combination! As you as they should be, right? Yeah, Their heels. They were one of the two most hated people at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody liked the honky tonk man. No, it was he wasn't like a cool heel. No, 1987, 88. No one liked. He's him. doing Elvis in the eighties. I mean. <laughs> Nobody was into that then. No, it doesn't get much like lamer than that, yeah. really. You're right. It, quite a square, if you will. He was very square. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Jimmy uh, took over his career when Honky had the vote of confidence from the fans. Remember, he was initially a face. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, that whole vote of confidence so thing funny. is so insane because I never knew that existed. Yeah. I didn't know he came in as a face with, like, Hulk Hogan or and something. suspenders. <laughs> And apparently, uh, you know, the fans were like, no, this is really lame and stupid. Yeah. And then Jimmy became his manager and took him right to the almost top. Isn't it funny that a another Hogan crony and Jimmy Hart? <laughs> I know, right? Seriously. Like, you just can't escape the Hogan cronies. I know. Honky's a good contender, but I'm going to throw one at you. Sure. Also WWF. Mm-hmm. The Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. I mean, that's why they were called the Hart Foundation, yeah. because they were Jimmy Hart's Hart Foundation. You know, and Bret was like, you know, why don't you just put us together? We all have Hart in our name. Call us the Hart <laughs> Foundation. Yes. And Bret was very bitter that Vince uh, claimed that he made that idea himself. Right. But Bret is very bitter about many things. <laughs> Bret's bitter about everything. Bret, <laughs> but <laughs> Bret thinks that he invented wrestling. <laughs> And his well, and his actually, dad. his dad his really dad invented wrestling. wrestling. He just carried on the legacy. So, but Jimmy Hart with the Hart Foundation—that was a awesome. And they were like to me even now. Mm -hmm. Whereas Honky wasn't a cool heel, right? The Hart Foundation were kind of cool. No, they were awesome, right? And I, I love that they wear pink. <laughs> I love it. Like that—that that was them being heels. <laughs> It's such a stupid thing. But Wearing they, neon. But people hated them. You know, the paper said, everybody says, the greatest team in the history of professional wrestling today. I guess you can say we are the in crowd. 
tag champions. We saw that win a few weeks back, remember, mm-hmm. on Superstars? Yeah. They were a hated team, and they were so damn good at being heels, and they turned face, and they feuded with Jimmy. But man, wasn't that a good pairing? Yeah, this it was a terrific pairing. This badass tag team with little weaselly Jimmy Hart as their mouthpiece. Right, right. Awesome. Because I mean, Brett couldn't talk back then. I got one. Yeah, go ahead. What about Greg the Hammer Valentine? Greg Hammer time? Yeah. He was another crown jewel of Jimmy Hart's stable there. He was the uh, Intercontinental Champion under under Jimmy Hart, right? Right. In what, 85? During yeah, the Junkyard the first feud? WrestleMania. That's yeah. right. Yeah, Jimmy Hart was with him by then. Yeah, I mean, I like Valentine not as much. I mean, I think you don't like him as much as I do, right? I don't like him as much, but during that period, I like him. He's very good. He is good in 85, 86. As the heel intercontinental champion. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a problem with him. And as far as if you're talking about the best of people with Jimmy Hart. Yeah. He was pairing. a mainstay. Yeah. He was a mainstay with Greg Valentine also. Other than that one time, the, he, dream, the team. dream team, but then he went yeah. back to Jimmy Hart again. He did. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, the new dream team happened. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? But that wasn't even Jimmy Hart either. <laughs> no, it wasn't. So, and then he went back to Hart. Yeah, that's a good pairing. He also managed them when he was in Rhythm and Blues, so I don't know if that counts for well, anything. Well, that was a carryover from yeah. still managing him in the late 80s, right. if you recall. It was. He just yeah. stayed with them. Yeah. You're right. Hammer Time is a good one. I'd like to propose Earthquake. Of course. Yeah. Earthquake. Great pairing. Yeah. Stayed with him a few years. Canadian Earthquake. Canadian Earthquake. He stayed with him up until uh, the Natural Disasters turned face. Right. Don't forget. Yeah. He took him to the Hogan feud. Yeah. Top to the, heel. To the big things he to was the involved big time. in. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the Earthquake's a good one, but here's one from the earlier days. Yeah, please. Andy Kaufman. I was, okay, good. I'm yeah. glad one of us brought up Kaufman. Yeah. Andy Kaufman, folks, was a rare breed because in the early 80s, he was a... Pretty well-known comedian, TV personality. He was on Taxi. He's a unique, quirky guy. If you know anything, obviously, about Andy Kaufman, that's probably understating you yeah, know, how, yeah. how different he was. He decides, he was a wrestling fan, he decides, I'm going to get involved in wrestling. Yeah. And has this awesome feud with the people of Memphis, essentially. Right, right. He taunts the shit out of Jerry Lawler, the mm-hmm. king of Memphis. He declares himself the intergender Wrestling I champion. That. I love that. He's so shitty that he can only beat women. Yep. But who was his manager, Quinn? Jimmy Mouth of the South Art. How awesome is that? What I love you, the new king of professional wrestling, Andy Kaufman. Yeah. What a pairing because Andy Kaufman's funny. He did these awesome heel promos, but he also had maybe the best version of Jimmy Hart is Memphis Jimmy Hart, honestly. He was more active, more involved the thing than is, he was is that later. Kaufman didn't really need him. I mean, Kaufman was an actor who could talk. He was a great talker. That's why it's like, is it really the best? Like, I don't think it, it, it is. It, yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad we mentioned it because we've never, when do we ever talk about Andy Kaufman I mean, on the show, it's right? It's rare. Yeah. It's rare. But it was a great angle. But it, the angle was made by the interplay between Kaufman and his like heel promos making fun of the South. Yeah. And the Lawler incident on yeah. Letterman. Jimmy Hart was there for the wrestling end. But yeah, you're right. But, you know, I'm glad the pairing got mentioned. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to make it, though. I don't think it's going to make it. I want, I like one. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I always like this one because it's so stupid. What is it? The Mountie. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say the Mountie or the Rougeau brothers either yeah. way. But yeah, the Mountie needed Jimmy Hart as yeah. annoying again as annoying as the Mountie is right he needed Jimmy Hart it was almost like a honky tonk man 2.0 in a sense right. where you got an annoying heel that no one wants to cheer in this case it wasn't that the Mountie could talk it was more that the Mountie needed the legitimacy yes. of Jimmy Hart that's what it was yeah because Jocker Joe is a, a fine talker he's yeah funny you know he's, yeah. he's a funny talker they don't need Jimmy he doesn't need Jimmy Hart to talk for him he needs Jimmy Hart to say like oh this guy's something because Jimmy Hart's managing yeah, him yeah exactly 
That's a good one, actually. Well, we have a lot on here now. I'm, I'm sure we can keep rattling off names, but does anything knocking Honky off? I don't think so. I think Honky is fine as number one, Quinn. Do you I think Honky's fine as number one. I think there's a couple more names to be brought up as like legitimate contenders. Okay. Do you but wanna... I think the Honky is definitely in there. He's he's locked in, right? Yeah, he's, he's, not getting... he's like a lock. Okay. So for number one, the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> All right, baby. All right, Quinn, you got other names? What about the adorable Adrian Adonis? Good one. Yeah. That's a good one. That was a notable feud, too, man. Yeah. That was as high end for Jimmy Hart. That's one of the things like Jimmy, Jimmy Hart managed so many guys, but he was always in something important. Even if he was also had like lower tier guys going on. Yeah. He was never like the manager, like relegated to the crap. He was never the slick. He was never slick. (laughs) You know, whatever. Unfortunately for slick. Yeah. Yeah. Fuji got a lot of trash. Fuji really got a lot of trash, but Jimmy Hart, you know, he had a high-profile client in Adrian Adonis, mm-hmm. who became adorable, you know, yeah. and took over the uh, Piper Spit made at the flower shop. Right. And that led to Piper's fake retirement match in 1987. Now, didn't he also have, like, regular Adrian Adonis briefly or something? Yeah, I think he did. Like, the but know, not New long York before that. He New had, York <laughs> version? Yeah, but he had, like, fat <laughs> New York version. Yeah. He had, like, letting himself go borderline obesity New York version. Right. You know, I always New forget, York. like, what was the impetus for him to become adorable again? He just decided that he was going to. Mm-hmm. He gave Roddy Piper his leather jacket, and he decided that he was going to, you know, become effeminate. Wait, wait, wait. The leather jacket yes. that Piper had, had yeah, right? was that from Adrian Adonis. was from Adrian Adonis. And allegedly, Ronda Rosie over there is, has, has the Piper jacket. So really, that's Adrian Adonis' <laughs> coat. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if it's the same exact leather one. Because <laughs> unless, unless Piper only wore Adrian's coat, maybe. Now, I remember Adrian's coat having like a New York symbol on the back yeah, of it or something. Unless he got it taken off, maybe. I don't know. It's always funny that the coat was really big, but if you look yeah. at Adrian Ward, it was like tight as hell. <laughs> like, well, he ballooned right before our eyes throughout yeah. like 1985. Yeah, yeah. By 86, 87, he was huge. <laughs> yeah. But Jimmy was his manager. Jimmy was a good heat magnet for him. I, I like that contender there. Yeah. I have a, another one to propose to you. Sure. WCW style, okay. which is rare because he managed a lot of trash at WCW. Mm-hmm. The Faces of Fear. Of course. Barbarian and Meng. That was like his main tag team and he had them forever. Like till they, I feel like till they stopped. Yeah. Like he had them until like 99 or 2000. Yeah. Or 2001. He might've still they had Barbarian. They might've been like his last bastions <laughs> of like a In team. WCW? Yeah. Like his last, the last people who like subscribe to Jimmy Hart's service over there. (laughs) Who actually signed up and paid him a percentage, right? Yeah. (laughs) What do you think of that? Do you like that pairing? I love that version of the Faces of Fear. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever they were. Haku and Barbarian. The the Faces of Fear. Yeah. That's what they're called. Yeah, but what were they in WWF? Nothing. They were just them. They were just a team. Yeah. But they were they weren't managed by Hart and WWF. They were managed right. by Bobby. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great, great contender there. But I think the Hart Foundation, Quinn, has to go on as number two. Yeah. I, Brett I, and Jim, right? Okay, yeah. Looking at this, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of junk on here. Like, There's, gonna there's be, people oh, I've never God. even heard of, like Man Mountain Link. But, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Man Mountain Link? <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I think the Hart Foundation definitely is in. I think there is one we do have to talk about, actually, first. Okay, go ahead. Because... This guy might be Death Valley, or he might be... Rushmore? Rushmore. Who is it? Hulk Hogan. Ooh. Yeah. I don't think I'm putting him on Mount Rushmore. Let me just say that. (laughs) Okay? I'm not. It's Jimmy Hart's, literally his biggest client of all time. 
during so, one of the most annoying periods of that man's career. But it's Hulk Hogan. Quinn, how can you... Jimmy Hart. That's a horrible pairing. And Hulk Hogan. It's a horrible pairing. He signed the WCW contract for him. He arranged it, Joe. Don't remind me of this. And remember they went to Disney World and, and went through the thumbs, the up, thumbs and, up and all that? God, I hate it. <laughs> but I don't like any of it. You ever hear some of the promos of Hogan and Jimmy Hart? They're okay, awful. The promos are amazing because they're what? like... No, they're funny because they're almost like provisionist history. <laughs> what do you mean? There's like... I remember there's one where Gene's like, oh, and here's Jimmy Jimmy Hart, the longtime manager of yeah. It's like, what? He like, does say that yeah. one time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, total, what are you talking about? When did this happen? In total, I think he managed him for like, what? Two years. Two years, because it was like a few months in WWF, and then like a year and a half in WCW. That's it. Long time. Long time manager. Ass. Just because he, he had a Hulk Hogan coat on. Woo! This is great, baby! This is definitely the greatest day of my life, baby! That was one of the worst versions of Jimmy Hart, the okay. worst versions of Hulk Hogan. Then I guess we'll save it for the discussion. Because, Please. But I, I just, I have to bring it up because I know people are going to be like, that might be the best. They might be wrong, though, these people. Yeah, I'm just saying. Well, you're, you're not, you can't be wrong because this is just our vantage point. I mean, I don't like to accuse people of being wrong. For all we know, the best could have truly been Man Mountain Link. It might have been, actually. Yeah. From what I understand, he had a great career in Man Mountain Link. Was he in Zelda or something? <laughs> Can we please put the hearts in? Yeah, yeah Hart, the hearts are definitely in. Jim Neidhart. All right, so for number two, the Heart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Heart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. <laughs> All right, baby. I'd like to also mention at any time, let us know your vantage point. Give us your Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of Jimmy Hart protégés. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us if you know who Man Mountain Link is or join the <laughs> Facebook group and comment. All right, Quinn, we got Honky Tonk Man and we got the Hart Foundation on there. We've got waiting in the in the wings here. Greg Hammertime, mm-hmm. Earthquake, yep. DeMounty, Adrian Adonis, the Faces of Fear. Anyone else here? thinking about over there rolling around so i want to say these just because they're like big names yeah sure but i don't remember them really being managed by jimmy hart ever sure i know rick rude pot like for like memphis, in memphis maybe, maybe but that, class but that, i don't think, I don't think that there. counts no for some reason randy savage is on this list i don't know why memphis maybe i think so okay savage was down remember he had that promotion that his dad owned oh right the IWA off the top of my head. Angelo Papo Wrestling Federation. Yeah, or yeah, IWA, I think it was, right? Tell me if I'm wrong, folks. But and I think Jimmy Hart was there with Savage. I could be wrong, but I think that's what it was. Yeah, this one's an interesting one. Yeah. Kevin Sullivan. And I'll tell you why it's interesting. Sure, go ahead. Because it's a weird instance of a manager managing the manager of like an entire faction. So that's like a very like (laughs) weird thing. When did he manage Kevin Sullivan? When he initially joined the Dungeon of Doom. He was like, I'm the manager of Kevin Sullivan, baby. But wasn't Kevin Sullivan the manager of the Dungeon of Doom? But he wasn't really a manager as much as their instructor. Yeah, like (laughs) taskmaster. Their coach. He was just a crony for the master. How give, many managers does this damn stable so have? Actually, what what does that make the hierarchy? So like the master, right? the master, right? And then there's Kevin Sullivan, the but then master. Jimmy Hart is Kevin Sullivan's manager. So who helps Jimmy Hart? Nobody. <laughs> A young boy. No, but Kevin's. See, that's the thing is Jimmy Hart's really only responsible for Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> Like, so he's not responsible for, like, the Yeti or something, yeah, right? and then that's how he inherited the Faces of Fear, if you remember. It is, and they yeah. broke away, and he yeah. just stayed with them. Right. They paid him a percentage, but that, still. <laughs> that, 
there's something to say about that, I guess, right? I mean, I that's a weird one. I mean, remember that that's, that involved all that Hulk Hogan shaving his mustache and <laughs> Taskmaster dressed like a lady in the audience and all that shit. Oh, God, Jimmy Hart was involved in all that. You're right. Yeah. Wasn't Big Bubba in the Dungeon of Doom at that Maybe. period of time? I think I, so. It says Jimmy managed Big Bubba. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but here, I'll make this easy for you, Quinn. Think of someone with Jimmy Hart right now. Someone, like, Jimmy Hart's cutting a promo right now. Who's next to him? Adrian Adonis. Okay. You know, what are you out here name dropping for? I'm so sick of you talking about everybody in the world. We want to talk about the one and only, the next world champion. I'll make that a promise to you right now to all the fans out there of this next man. Adorable Adrian Adonis. That's a good That's a good suggestion. I just wanted to get an instant or reaction. Or Greg Valentine. I, yeah, I picture Valentine. I, I picture Adonis. I think the Adonis pairing is excellent. The one black mark against it is that like it didn't go anywhere after the hair match because Adonis also left. Right. There was never real follow through on that angle mm-hmm. and then the pairing was over you got a look on your face what are you laughing about weird ass names on this list that i need to address too because again i think people are probably going to open this list up on on wikipedia like wikipedia yeah, wikipedia and check it and they're going to be like why didn't you mention these names okay because these are big names like yeah. sting when did he manage sting i don't know like it, briefly it, with Hogan? count when he was like when be right before Hogan turned and like that team that was going to fight the NWO or whatever. I guess like yeah, because didn't Jimmy Hart turn face when the NWO like when Hall and Nash were invading? Yeah. Jimmy Hart kind of turned face because well, cause he managed Luger. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's where Luger became yeah. face. Right, right, <laughs> Luger again. And then here's even weirder, what? like. AJ Styles and Samoa Joe was that in that like no prima donnas baby thing? <laughs> like I I don't know like when did that happen? Well, was Jimmy Hart in TNA? For yeah, maybe it must have been there. But yeah, I must have been saying, TNA. They're listed. Yeah, but we people. don't. Like, but we can't put them on. We don't know anything about yeah, that. I tried to click the notes. There's like a note next to him. You know, on Wikipedia, there's Ew. the the number one thing next. Yeah, <laughs> Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Yeah. I'm I'm going Quinn with uh either I think Greg Hammer Time deserves some kudos here for once because Greg Hammer Time and yes I call him that because Quinn said that once by, by accident, accident yeah and I can't let go of it it's so funny uh Greg Hammer Time was a really solid wrestler mm-hmm. upper mid Carter in the mid eighties Intercontinental re- Champion he's a regular with Jimmy Hart too. he was a regular with Jimmy Hart it's a good pairing he's a guy Quinn that really couldn't talk and he needed Jimmy Hart right and Jimmy Hart helped him I thought it was a good pairing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he's definitely on there. I mean, like, who doesn't think of Greg Valentine when they think of Jimmy Hart? I do, because, I mean, who who else managed Valentine? Johnny Valiant, which, mm-hmm. pfft, yeah, no offense. I know he just passed away, but, pfft. and then Grand Wizard, which, right. that was like the tail end, I think, of a wizard anyway. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Hart, to me, is the manager of Greg Valentine. Like, that's who Greg Valentine's manager should be. Agree. Okay, then let's put him in. We'll put Greg Hammer Time on? Yeah. All right. So, for number three, Greg the Hammer Valentine. All right, baby. Here's one we keep overlooking. Yeah. Because a lot of this is very memorable. It's not a great man, like not a great wrestler or anything. Yeah. But dangerous Danny Davis and Jimmy Hart. I mean, I mean, thing, I, I'm just saying like a lot of people, that's a very memorable, like big thing that happened. Like, and he, it was all Jimmy Hart. Make a case for it. Let's, let's hear why it's good. I want to hear this one. It's Quinn. one of the. It's one of those things that stemmed all these storylines with the Tito Santana and the Hart <laughs> Foundation and the British Bulldogs and all this stuff. Jimmy well, Hart pretty much was por- portrayed as like rounding it all up, like can, like manipulating it to happen. It's true. And like, it's a big thing. It's a big coup for Jimmy Hart. It's a bit of a coup. I will say that Danny Davis can't talk. 
He no. needed the manager. Right. But he stepped right up and said, let's face dangerous Danny Davis. Jimmy Hart was a good choice because for him to be in the Hart Foundation as like a crony, the crooked ref, it made yeah. sense. And then a wrestler. Yeah, I guess the pairing is good. Yeah, but we've and got- I'm sure it made money because people wanted to kill Danny Davis after what he had done to, yeah. to the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana. I wish Danny Davis was better at yeah. all of what he did because he really wasn't good. Although I know he, was he, does, a, he, he had wasn't a, that good. He, he had a face only a mother could love. I mean, like nobody <laughs> mo- nobody liked that guy. He looked like an asshole. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I've always said like Nick Patrick did the heel ref thing and that whole thing so much better. It's true. Than Danny Davis, unfortunately. Now, now here's one more. I think sure. it's the last one I can see on this list of even any importance. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, Terry Funk in WWF. Terry Funk in like 85, 86. Yeah. Including yeah. the WrestleMania 2 match. He managed Terry and Dory. Yeah. Did he? I wonder if he managed Terry anywhere else. Probably not. Maybe. Right. I mean, there's no notes. It's just yeah. Terry Funk. I don't know where else he would have managed him. But yeah, Terry That's Funk. a notable person. I would say, though, when we're talking about guys like it, to me, it's either got to be Earthquake, Bounty or Adonis. And probably not Adonis as much really, as I, not Adonis. I would think <sighs> he'd be on the top of the list because that to mm. me, like the right. mid 80s, like that's like a big Jimmy Hart mainstay guy. Like, yeah, you're right. I mean, that was that was a hot period for Jimmy Hart, too. Yeah. It was the mid 80s, mid to late 80s. I would say arguably Adrian Adonis really launched him in WWF. Like that was his first like big mm. deal, like guy make, that was feuding with like Piper and like you're making a, a good case. Yeah, you know what I mean? You're like, making a good case. Well, all right, let's eliminate some people. Faces of Fear, as much as we love them, do they need Jimmy Hart for what they did? No, they just beat the shit okay. out of people every so, week, so, so that doesn't need to be there. Earthquake or Mountie? Let's try to eliminate one of them. Earthquake or Mountie? I, as much as I love little Jimmy Hart with mm-hmm. Earthquake, the pairing, like the 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 hate, the the wanting to hate the yeah. Mountie yeah, and Jimmy Hart combo. Yeah, I think the Mountie combo. is elevated, too. I agree. And Earthquake's not a bad talker, no. Just like Jacques Rougeau is not a bad talker. Mm-hmm. So the pairing with Earthquake is more of like just the, the contrast, you know, the dichotomy between right, yeah. big, loud, hairy, smelly Earthquake and little <laughs> weaselly Jimmy Hart. Right, right. And I like the way he debuted as his manager. If you recall, they were doing the push-ups. What's this? He just gave hey, it. Wait a minute. Whoa. Bravo. Falling through an elbow. See, I told you, McMahon, that he couldn't push up that big John character. It was, it was funny. It was good. But. I'd say the Mountie is a better pairing than Earthquake, but what about the Rougeos while we're talking about Jacques Rougeau? I mean, the Rougeau brothers, Quinn. See, I think that gimmick, while I love it, of, yeah. you know, like fake Americans or whatever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, fake Americans. with the little American flags, yeah. it didn't last long enough and it's not, it didn't have that much of an impact. Okay. Whereas like, right. like people like Adrian Adonis, like we're saying, like he was like, that was like a big deal. Okay. At WrestleMania 3. That was like one of the major matches on that card. It was. So even if we put together Jacques Rougeau's Rougeau Brothers run and his Mountie run, you're saying that the Adonis thing is still better? Oh, yeah. It's, like, way more memorable. I think you you said it best. This is where I think you convinced me, so I'll hand it to you. When you said that that is kind of really what launched him. Yeah, nobody gave a shit about Jimmy Hart until he managed Adrian Adonis. Right. He debuted as... he. This is what's interesting. is He was actually King Kong Bundy's manager. Right. That's how he debuted, I think. Right. right before WrestleMania but he 1. he lost Bundy before he even he got... He traded. Yeah. This is why it's great. He, before Bundy even made it to the main event. Now, he, he traded for uh, for Adonis. He traded Bundy to Bobby Heenan. Now, you could say Hammer Time launched him because Valentine was Intercontinental Champion, but Adrian Adonis was a way bigger draw 
For, uh, yeah, because Junkyard Dog and Tito were the draw of the, the yeah. Valentine feud. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Right. Adrian Adonis was this you know what he really was? He was he was the WWF's answer to the exotic Adrian Street. A little bit. Like I I think he's the tamer version. A much honest. tamer. He's more of like a an amalgamation of Adrian Street and Gorgeous George, but a fat guy doing it. That's right. the joke. Right, exactly. And from my understanding of people in the eighties, that there was an element of shock and like what the fuck and like almost yeah. like how we thought of Goldust when he first debuted. I guess so. Like uh, like what is the deal with this guy? And it was it was quite a a, a thing. People wanted to. It was like a car wreck. People wanted to. What the fuck's <laughs> going to happen here? Like what what's this dude doing? I'd say it was. Yeah, I mean it's probably goofier because it was the WWF. Right. But it was more like a point and laugh at this like fat guy with makeup. But yeah, you're right. It was like what is going on here? But. <sighs> He did take him to that memorable feud, WrestleMania 3. Yeah, and then that Piper's where Adrian all of a sudden gets fucking physical, and yeah. you're like, oh, hold on, hold on a second here. Like, Adrian Adonis is no joke. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll come after you with a baseball bat. He doesn't give a <laughs> shit. Like, I'd be remiss, too, if we didn't mention that Bob Orton became Adonis's crony and wore the pink cowboy hat. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's put it, Adrian Adonis in. I think... As much as I love the Mountie and Jimmy Hart pairing and the Rougeos and all that, I, I get what you're saying with Adonis. I can agree to that. Yeah. I don't think anything can top that. Hogan ain't getting on this list, this <laughs> Rushmore. Maybe the Dead Valley. We'll find out. But for number four, are we okay with Adonis? Sure. I think it was a great pairing. Okay. So for number four, Adrian Adonis. <laughs> all right, baby. Well, to recap for Donnie, here is our Mount Rushmore of Jimmy Hart protégés. We have the Honky Tonk Man, the Hart Foundation, Brett and Jim. Greg the Hammer Valentine and adorable Adrian Adonis. That is our Mount Rushmore. Quinn, I get to pick the first of the worst. No bones about it. The sucky wrestler himself, Dino Bravo. Hell yeah. (laughs) Now, we have talked about Bravo a little. Can never escape Dino Bravo, can we? No. This was a guy that should have not been even in the WWF after, oh, I'd say 1988. I'd say after 1985. <laughs> I, I never wanted to see him again. I, I don't know why he existed. For whatever reason, uh, when Frenchie Martin left, mm-hmm. they decide, let's put Dino Bravo with Jimmy Hart. And uh, then Earthquake came in. Earthquake I love, you love, we I don't love know. Earthquake. I still don't understand why they had to lower Earthquake to Canadian right. Earthquake just because of <laughs> stupid Dino Bravo. <laughs> Dino Bravo sucks balls. <laughs> He's horrible. I've did multiple push-ups with this big 460-pound man sitting on my back. Mm, he makes me so mad, Joe. There's nothing that I like watching about him, and I'm not saying that to be hateful. I'm not saying that to be ironic. I'm not saying that to be cool. I don't like him. He Every, is not good. He might be the worst wrestler in the history of the WWF. <laughs> I don't know about that. He I, might be. I would say Jorge Gonzalez is the worst, but or Paulo Silva. <laughs> but uh, he, I always forget about Silva. Silva. But, yeah. There's always the Silva chip. But yeah, here, and Giant Gonzalez. Here's the thing about Bravo. He might have been very good before 1986. What? <laughs> From what I've seen, he was much more agile, less steroid. He was a good wrestler. The problem I have with Dino Bravo is from 87 until 92, he mm. just lingers there and is useless. And he's like, I, I don't, I'm with Earthquake. Yeah. I like Earthquake. Earthquake, my friend. You know, and it's just leeching off of Earthquake. He's a goon he, and terrible. He just is not fun. And Everything about him is boring. 
Yes, exactly. When you hear his music, you're like, <laughs> oh, okay, I can go take a dump now. <laughs> like that's, And he runs around the ring. Yeah. And you have a big problem with the way he looks at WrestleMania 7. He's like a gopher or something. <laughs> a beaver. I put him on that wolf maker recently. <laughs> that, the, the way I he looked like that over at uh, Facebook.Friends. Yes, over there. Facebook.Friends. Is there any debate? Is Bravo getting in? Bravo's like immediate. Like, I have no issue with Bravo being in there. All right. Let's just put him in. Let's just, yeah. let's call a spade a spade. Let's call a shit a shit for mm-hmm. number one, Dino Bravo. Die, die, die. Who are you thinking, Quinn? I won't say Man Mountain Link again, but just by the way, Man Mountain Link. <laughs> I, I know nothing about it. It's just an amazing name. It is. What about the Renegade? Yep. I was thinking <laughs> him too. Now, this is. Good lord. See, this <laughs> Where do you is... get started with the Renegade? Oh my gosh. We never really talk about him too much, right? I yeah. think once. Okay. In 1995. <laughs> I knew it was going to start in X year. <laughs> in WCW. They've been promising Hogan. You know, Hogan was another a, a friend, a partner, right? And Hogan was still managed by Jimmy Hart. They were promising this ultimate surprise or something, this great surprise, this mm-hmm. big, cool thing was going to happen, right? And everyone's saying, oh, Ultimate Warrior, Ultimate Warrior. Great, sure. Be awesome have Ultimate Warrior come in and help Hogan, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. All all hints from Hogan and Jimmy Hart pointed towards it being the Ultimate Warrior. Right. So what we get instead is someone about the size of a one, two, three kid <laughs> oh, dr- come now. dressed up like the Ultimate Warrior. It wasn't that small. Look it up. And uh, he was like five eleven. <laughs> dressed up like the Ultimate Warrior, acting like the Ultimate Warrior, having similar music to the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, but his name was the Renegade. About five ten, two fifty five. The Renegade was, as much as I don't like the Ultimate Warrior, this guy had maybe one tenth of the charisma and ability of Jim Helwig. <laughs> it makes you appreciate Jim Helwig, which is hard to Seriously. say. Like it's like, holy shit! This this guy's garbage compared to Jim. Jim Helwig is like. He's the real Rick deal. Flair yeah. compared to this guy. Like, in terms of crazy steroid warrior gimmicks, yeah. Jim Helwig is the Ric Flair. Yeah. This guy is, is more like the uh, Barry Horowitz. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. And of course he wins the TV title. Yeah, well, because he can't not have a belt on fake <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. And of course, it has to be a mid-card title, so it seems like it's the Intercontinental yeah, title like right. back in the day. Like, yeah. I always thought that's what they were going for. I think it was. It was like, it was like oh, he's, he's got a mid-card title. He's like the Warrior. He's going to make it to the top. Yep, because you know? Hogan was world champion, you right. know, and they're friends, and it's like, oh, wow. Eventually, this guy is- they're going to face at uh, Super Brawl Mania 6 or yeah. whatever. Like, <laughs> and Hogan talked him up like he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Jimmy Hart talked him up like he was the greatest thing. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. The Renegade, baby. Yeah. It was an awful idea. It did not work. It, a couple of months in, the fans already turned on the guy. Mm-hmm. WCW fans turned on something. Which is rare. Yeah, I know. Normally, if you're a WCW fan, you turn off the channel. Normally, if you're a WCW fan, you just deal with it. Because <sighs> it's like, well, you know. Because like, WCW. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we love you, but like, <sighs> do we? Is anything going to get the Renegade off? It's a horrible pairing. It's, it's obnoxious. This is during like the face Jimmy Hart. It's ultra like a, obnoxious. It's like a taint on Jimmy Hart. <laughs> it's quite like, a taint on his record. Yeah, it's quite a gooch. Yeah. Do you want to put it on, or do we want to put it in the weighted in the wings for a little bit? Because I got one for you. Well, I mean, I got another one too. All right, you go ahead. What about when he managed Loch Ness? Yeah. Haystacks Calhoun or whatever. Giant Haystacks <laughs> Quinn. He's the only Haystacks Calhoun on the other side of the pond. <laughs> Sorry. Here giant, he's Giant Haystacks, giant, damn it. Giant Haystacks. Well, I mean, but, 
the renegade listen, is worse listen, than that. I, I'm just bringing up yeah. because we have to. A lot of these Dungeon of Doom people, because anyone can like, qualify. Does does the Yeti count? Can we just put the Dungeon of Doom in there? Like all of them. Did he manage the Dungeon of Doom though? You said all he did was manage Kevin Sullivan. But he came out with most of those guys like instead of Sullivan after yeah. a while. Remember? Like yes. Remember it was like Kevin Sullivan just stopped coming out because I guess he was too busy booking or something. So do we like, <laughs> fighting in the bathroom? Yeah. So do we put uh, the whole Dungeon of Doom in? I mean, those are the worst. Well, no, they're the not because the giant. Like, yeah, that the was giant, a good the protege. Only thing he had that was good. But can I just please mention Brutus? No, Brutus Beefcake, 1993 style. Oh. Ah! <laughs> I, the yeah. Mega Maniacs in general, both yeah. of them. We tricked them! A we special thanks <laughs> to all our friends at the NASA Space Center down at Cape Canaveral, Florida, Hulkster. Shut the fuck up! Can we put a team in? Okay. I'll do this. I'll make I'll make a deal with you, Joe. Oh God, we're bordering. No, again. it's not. A, it's not. A, it's because I don't think we can fairly put Hulk Hogan by himself in. However, you don't mega, think so, huh? The Mega Maniacs, Joe. Okay, that is okay. pure shit. Yes, the Mega Man. Okay, that's yeah. a, okay. Yeah. Handshake on that yeah, one. Handshake all right, on so that one. all right, I think that's fair. Yeah, I get why you want to kind of because Hogan at least was world champion in both promotions. It's like okay, it's quite literally Jimmy Hart's like best thing. If you unfortunately, think, yeah, I, I un- not unfortunately, best, but yeah. not highest best, achievement. but highest achievement, right? But you will agree with me that Jimmy Hart with Hogan is an obnoxious pairing. It's obnoxious, but okay. at the same time, it's like Jimmy Hart's Cecil B. DeMille Award or something. <laughs> like, it's, like his lifetime achievement is getting to manage Hogan. Okay, fine, I will concede to that but the mega maniacs i always rant about it tell me what you don't like about jimmy hart with the mega maniacs um just hulk hogan giving thumbs up <laughs> like an asshole not ever wanting to lose ever they're acting having, like heels having to win at wrestlemania 9 <sighs> ruining wrestlemania 9 what about the titanium face mask yes, era for also also presiding over the hulk hogan has a water ski hit him in the face but it might be <laughs> macho man That's punching not. him because he had sex with elizabeth or something it wasn't me no hogan just can't water ski yeah I don't, I don't, that's a very suspicious Randy Savage voice. I can do the impressions too, Pritchard. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, just so much wrong. I agree with you, but the it, beefcake it, part too, man. All of that stuff to me is associated with the convertible ride through D- Disney, MGM, whatever the fuck, yeah, with Mickey on the you're side. Right, like, butcher, I mean, br- Brother Brood Eye was there too, right? Yeah, it's all together. Oh, I forgot about it's that. It's all associated. Oh, man. And, and he's even there up to the point when he, when he turns into like, I'm turning on you, Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> like, fuck you, Hulk Hogan. I'm going to fight you at Starcade. <laughs> fuck that. Enough. So just the Mega Maniacs yeah, for, I, for not only their team in WWF, yeah. but also their association with each other in WCW. It's horrible. So Hogan and Beefcake going in together. Right. Dual right. inductee. Yeah. But it, one spot. Yes. Okay. They can, well, they like jamming it in together anyway. So for, <laughs> for number two, Hogan <laughs> and Beefcake. You legitimately got me there. Thank you. Die, die, die. What, what are you trying to say? It's always fake laughing? No, no, no. It's just like, you know, when you take someone by surprise yeah. laugh. I can still do it. Like, I didn't think about it joke. It was more of a just like, just, Ugh. Ugh. yeah, you just like hit me in the face. <laughs> okay. So we've got Bravo. We've got the Mega Maniacs waiting in the wings as the Renegade. But I would like to propose one. Yeah. And maybe it is a good pairing. Yeah. The Nasty Boys. 
I know. Like as it's much as we hard. I know. Okay. First of all, I hate the Nasty Boys. I know However, they won the tag titles. It was a big coup for Jimmy Hart. Ninety one. Yeah, sure. But then we dealt with years and years and years of blowback from this whole debacle. <sighs> yeah. The Knobs Association. Yes, the Knobs Association. Now, did he manage Knobs? I think he did. Solo Knobs. I don't know. Nasty Knobs. I, I can't. I can't confirm that he might have managed him in No Prima Donnas, <laughs> or, or they were just friends in No Prima Donnas. Right? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm Nasty Boy Brian Knobs, and I'm the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Hey, Knobsy baby, why don't we tell the great wrestling fans out there how the XWF actually got started? How about new? Oh man, Knobs. Fucking knobs. But Sags is good. Yeah, well, but that's, <laughs> relative. That's, 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 <laughs> Sags is good as like he's like a good friend. Yeah. He's not like good. No, he's, he's not just, good. But he's like tolerable. Yeah. It's like Knobs is the kind of guy where it's like you don't seek to hang out with him, but right. if he's at a party, you'll stand next to him. You'll like, you'll you'll talk to him for a couple of minutes and right. not not hate yourself about right, it. Right? Exactly. Well, and, and then you come away from it like, eh, that not that Sags, he's a pretty he's a decent guy. Okay, like, fair enough. What about yeah. the Glamour Girls? <laughs> like Lonnie Cloy and Judy Martin. I mean, that was so irrelevant, Joe. Does that really count? The Golden Girls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they seem like they're both a thousand years old. And they're not. That's yeah. the weird thing. Yeah. Like, especially like Lonnie Cloy, she's like 27. How does she look know. like that? It's like she put old woman makeup on or something. <laughs> like, I don't understand. How do you do that? How do you I, actually look like that? I don't know. What about when he managed um, Conan? You was remember it, that weird thing? Was he Dungeon of Doom? Conan was in yes the Dungeon of Doom. Yes and no. He, like, it, he was on the tail end, right? But yeah, but I remember very specifically, like, Jimmy Hart was with him. Like, he was a Jimmy Hart thing. He was. He like, was. Before but Conan. But it was the Conan in the, like, goofy, like, outfit. Yeah, before he was street Conan, yeah. right? Yeah, I remember that. I don't know if that's worse, though. I think the Renegade has to go on. If we put the Mega, Mani- Mega Maniacs in, we gotta put the Renegade in. How can we not put just the Yeti? He didn't manage the Yeti. Kevin Sullivan managed the Yeti. Oh, you're going to lob that on Kevin Sullivan? We could put the whole Dungeon of Doom in if you want to, and I will not complain, but I am not putting the Yeti in by himself. No Yeti. Huh? No, but can we put the Renegade in? How is he not in? He's horrible. Oh, I thought he already was in. No, we got to put him in. Here. Yeah, get, yeah, get him out. <laughs> okay, so for number three, the Renegade. Die, die, die. Okay, good. So we're we're down to this, Quinn. We're down to... What, first of all, who's in this now? I always, yeah. I, I can never keep track. It's okay. We have Dino Bravo, uh-huh. Hogan and Beefcake together in one spot because they like their closeness, and the Renegade. So mm-hmm. we have Waiting in the Wings. Um, we talked about, I should say, the Nasty Boys, but you're going to let them off? Mm-hmm. We talked about the Glamour Girls. But we're gonna... Maybe they're still in contention to me. Now, what about the Mega Mania? I mean, the, the Money Inc.? Or is that okay? I, okay, I right? don't think it's great, but I also don't think it's horrible. That's yeah. the issue with it. It's like it's somewhere in the middle. I just wanted to mention it, but yeah, I think you're I think you're right there. I think they're okay. Yeah. By the way, Man Mountain Link, his real name is Richard Link. <laughs> no way. Yeah, it is. And he he wrestled nowhere important. You know, you know what I just found out that Jimmy Hart managed? Mm. Um a team called the Galaxians, but you may know them as the Nightmares. <laughs> Ooh, God, the nightmares from the South. Yeah, Danny Davis and whatever. Yeah. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. Oh, man. They're bad. I don't know what they're all about. What about Strictly Rhythm and Blues? Whoa, so Honky will be a double inductee? Possibly. 
I don't know, Rhythm and Blues. And Valentine, too. And Valentine. Holy shit. I mean, no, that, was a, okay. that was a real dump. Yeah, but. Like, of a team. Especially when Greg Valentine changed his hair color. <laughs> that was really bad. The Quinn. Quinn. Mm-hmm. The Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. The whole thing is going in. Is that really it? Yes. When did did he manage Public Enemy? Because I see Johnny Grunge on this list. Just Johnny Grunge, but only him. Like, <laughs> when did he wrestle by himself? I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay, I'm not even going to pretend. He also he also managed the Missing Link, not Man Mountain Link, the Missing Link, the Missing Link. Huh? He did Dewey Robertson. Yeah, interesting. Do you have any thoughts? I have no on that objections tra- to the Dungeon of Doom because that yeah. is a. That is horrible. The whole thing is just like... You have to remember, by managing the Dungeon of Doom, we're also including people like Lex Luger. Yeah, I know, but... And stuff like that. that's okay. But then there's Humorous. There's Humorous. (laughs) There's the Yeti. There's Loch Ness, who you wanted to put in. Yeah. There's a lot of trash in there. I always thought it was funny that Humorous, at one point, they like made a point that his like flippy move was him making a question mark in midair. That's like, absurd. Today, actually, yeah. like, well, you know, Tony, when he does that, he looks like a question mark. Good, your finish is fucking punctuation. <laughs> the fact, his body looks like a question mark. That's really what they thought. I don't know, but it's all part of the Jimmy Hart Dungeon of Doom nonsense. Exactly. His body really looked like a big middle finger to the yeah. fans. The only exception I would say is probably like the giant because he giant was good. and Luger. Yeah. But I think just in general, there's too many guys. We'll just put the Dungeon of Doom in there, okay? Yep. Are they worse than the Nasty Boys? Yes. Are they worse than the Clamor Girls? Actually, hold on a second. But he was good with them, <laughs> don't you it's think? Like, it's almost like you say, like, are they worse than the Glamour Girls? And the Glamour Girls go, hold my beer. Like, <laughs> hold my Mai Tai. Yeah. <laughs> hold my Virginia Slims. Yeah, I was 20. just going to say my Virginia Slims. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but I think Jimmy Hart was a perfect manager for them because that's like what they should have is a Jimmy Hart, don't you think? What did he, he, wore, like, what the, did he get their walker for them? He wore like the gold like satin or whatever jacket, the LeMay or whatever it was, jacket. The Glamour Girls, when I look at them, chiffon. I feel like I should be, yeah, there should be some chiffon involved and I should be walking into a smoky bar with like black like walls and like neon like Bud Light signs. Eating an overcooked hamburger. Yeah, in some shitty diner on the side of the road in New Jersey, but not on the like turnpike, on like the the, the routes. Yeah, like, like a route, like a yeah. county road or something. Yeah, yeah. Something that hasn't been, like part of the Lincoln Highway, if you will. <laughs> right, that is the Glamour Girls to me. But you say that as if it's a bad thing. Now, all, a lot of those things I like because I'm a New Jerseyan. Right, but However, most people the aren't. Glamour Girls they shouldn't remind you of that because Leilani Kai is 27 years old. And Hawaiian. Yeah. Or whatever like, she is. What? And Judy Martin's just nondescript. She could have yep. been a janitor at our high school for all I know. <laughs> okay. You know what? Yeah. The Glamour Girls. Really worse than the Dungeon of Doom, huh? At least the Dungeon of Doom, they were main event pushed, right? Uh, just to defend them for two seconds. The the one thing going against the Dungeon of Doom is they had the Yeti. However, and they, Loch Ness. Yes, but they had the giant. They had Lex Luger. Yeah. And Kevin Sullivan. And Kevin Sullivan, which I like him. I do too. And a good thing going for them too is they didn't have Evad Sullivan. <laughs> like, so God. He's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Okay. 
The Glamour Girls? <laughs> the Glamour Girls just are because... going to beat the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, they're gonna... so shitty, Joe. Someone's going to be upset about this, but I, I could care less. It's funny. We gave the perfect description of the Glamour Girls. Just rewind like 30 seconds or whatever to that and, yeah. and think about that for two seconds. <laughs> and then... Pause it and think about it yeah. and then turn this back on. As we welcome the Glamour Girls to Death Valley. Yeah. That's the name of the diner, I think. The third <laughs> For number four, the Glamour Girls. Die, die, die. Good Lord. Okay, so here's our Death Valley to recap for Donnie. We have Dino Bravo, of course. Mm-hmm. The Mega Maniacs, of course. Yeah. The Renegade, of course. Right. And in the surprise twist, <laughs> the Glamour Girls. That's our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of Jimmy Hart protégés. You chose it, folks, and we'll have a poll up. We'll continue to have a poll up here as you guys will be choosing our Rushmore and Death Valley each and every week. In the meantime, Quinn, we've got to get down to Memphis here. Oh, boy. Back to Jimmy Hart's house. <laughs> away from the smoky diners of New Jersey yes, and down to Memphis. <laughs> get some grits. We'll be back right after this. Well, I'm back from 43 years old, baby. <laughs> Coming out of retirement to step in the ring with a Mountie. You know, at one time, Bob Backlund, uh... we know you were the WWF champion. A great one. But this man has great credentials, too. His sister was a wrestler. His brother was a wrestler. His father was a famous wrestler. And you're going to beat him? No way, J.D. I am a famous wrestler. I am Jacques Rousseau. That's right. And I'm not talking about 10, 15 years ago. I'm talking about right now. The time is now, Backlund. You come out of that rocking chair and you want to wrestle me, the greatest law enforcement officer of all times? I'll eat you up and I'll spit you out. Because, yes, the Jacques Rougeau gets his man. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Quinn, we're reviewing something. Yes, we are. We're going down to Memphis. Going down. We haven't been down here. In a very long time, I think since like episode, I don't know, 16, 17, <laughs> wow, that a is long time. Back in the teens? Yeah, back in the teens. Uh, this is a request, actually. Another request, believe it or not, from Petey Winson, our little wow. brother. Yeah. Wow, Mr. Petey making an appearance. Making an appearance here. He wanted us to review CWA. That was Jerry Jarrett's Memphis. Mm-hmm. Now, does this stand for uh, Continental? It, Continental Wrestling, Wrestling Association? Association? Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I didn't even a- yeah. think to ask while we were watching it. Yep, that's what it is. This was Memphis, the Memphis Territory. But this is not Continental, the good continent. Not the Fuller's version. Yeah. Not the not the uh, Southeastern one. Right, no. Right. Similar, but not the same. That's um, the good Continental. Yeah, same amount of teeth down there. Yeah. Same hue of yellow. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is from April 8th, 1989. I always like to set context with the big promotion. The WWF was just coming off of WrestleMania 5 at this time, mm-hmm. and the NWA was right around the middle of the uh, Flair and Steamboat feud, I think, was going on around this time. So, so that's what's going on in the big guys. Everything else was good, and yeah. this is shitty. Uh, yeah, for the most part, mm-hmm. but there's there, there's some stuff we did right. really like about it. We'll be honest. Yeah, that's... There's some yeah, stuff we like. I'm, I'm Maybe I'm downplaying its goodness. Well, let's find out, because when we get the 2001 Space Odyssey intro here... Yeah, remember when Ric Flair was here? <laughs> yeah, remember him? Yeah. Big uh, CWA star Ric Flair? Yeah, remember how he was like a, a statue yes. player or something? What, what the fuck? What? <laughs> what? We get dumpy footage of King punching people in the intro. You were saying, you're like, this is so old and yeah. dumpy, this footage. It looks like shit. It does, and it's just uh, it's just King punching a bunch of people and being happy. Yep. King, obviously, folks, was the big star of Memphis 
I'm just he's like he's the king of this company. I mean, quite yeah, literally. From the mid '70s until like now, yeah, Jerry Lawler. He's still the star now in 2018. Probably. He is. Like, he is Mr. Memphis, or I should say, uh, Sir Memphis, or you know, His actually, Highness. I, if our fans could tell us, because I really don't know, yeah, is there still Memphis TV to this day? I don't think there's Memphis TV. No, I don't. But yeah, maybe you guys out there know. I know we have a lot of fans that are very big into the Southern wrestling scene in general. Yeah. If you are newer to the show, Quinn and I, like we mentioned in the last segment, we're from the Northeast, okay? Mm-hmm. We, are, we are not rooted and grounded in Southern wrestling, but that doesn't mean we don't appreciate a good uh, show. Yeah. We certainly do. But this is not something that we grew up watching. No. <laughs> all right? Not we, at all. We grew up with WWF mainly. But we're hosts of Quinn. Yet again, we always miss Lance Russell. We, yeah. We, I always want Lance Russell. I love Lance Russell. Great announcer. Yep. But we get Dave Brown, who's okay. New York Giants quarterback <laughs> Dave Brown? Or yes. The, the other one. <laughs> the other one. The one okay. that works like he's the weatherman for yeah. the TV station right, right. here. Okay. Hello again, everybody. Dave Brown here at ringside. We are ready and set to go with another day. Then a big fat guy that I had never heard of, believe it or not, named Ronnie P. Gossett the Fourth, like facts his way in. Now, no, now, is it Gossett or Gossip? Because I kept the way they said it. I didn't know that until I read this that gossip. it was Gossett. Yeah, it's, it's hard to hear. The whole time it sounded like they were saying Gossip. So I was like, that's not a real name. Well, I gossip. Think, I think they dipped their microphones in marmalade before they broadcast here. <laughs> I mean, so, the whole freaking picture looks like it was dipped in caramel. <laughs> Like, it's horrible. <laughs> so he fats his way in, calls Dave a he's moron. very fat. You said he's like a shitty Bobby the Brain Heenan. He's shitty, fatty Bobby Heenan. He's like two Bobby Heenans. Yeah. <laughs> he's and, like Bobby and, the and Brain Heenan. And Paul Heyman also. To, <laughs> For to, good measure. Yeah, two Bobbies and a Paul. <laughs> Next. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> I think he ate the pear tree. Yeah. Maybe the partridge. Next up, Quinn, is a special look at Jeff Jarrett. Not the look I wanted at all. <laughs> We get an awful Bon Jovi song that I've never heard. And Lots of licensed music yes, here. What yes. the fuck? Like Memphis. I guess because we're near Nashville, right? Is that is that near Memphis? I, I can't. I can never tell in the South. I mean, neither. No one can tell in the South. Is, is, is Memphis? Is that Nashville? Too? Memphis and Nashville are not the same. They're in the same state, though. Yes, they are, Quinn. So, very good. So very, very good. They're sort of near each other. Yeah, see, this man knows his geography. Yeah. So under this uh, awful Bon Jovi song, and I, I don't have anything against Bon Jovi, but it's a bad song. We and get, it's not Jump. And <laughs> That's Van Halen. I'm sorry. We get, <laughs> we get uh, Jeff Jarrett coming out of the shower. I guess that's the special what look. The, what the fuck? We get him putting his white pants on. Is he at his dad's house? <laughs> like, why is it so nice? Isn't he supposed to be like an up-and-coming he's, kid? Like, yeah. should he live in an apartment or something? <laughs> he's like 22 here. He's got like a mansion. <laughs> What, and, what the, they're breaking the kayfabe here. Then we see him in the bathroom, Quinn, as you blatantly ask me, why am I supposed to like him? Yeah, I hate this guy because he's a rich asshole and who looks like he hasn't worked a day in his life and is number one in his daddy's fucking promotion. Fuck you, Jeff Jarrett. Ooh, we Congratulations see, on the Hall of Fame. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Very much deserved. We see him listening to the radio in his car as he drives to the radio station for an interview. In a Corvette, mind yes. you. Don't forget that. In a white Corvette. Brand new for 1989. Yep. It was like that new design that was the yeah. late 80s version. You're absolutely right. Yeah. As the radio DJ compares him to the band In Excess. You know what's ironic, Quinn, is we would later get In Excess of Jeff Jarrett. Thank you. What? Jeff Jarrett in, in excess. I just do not see know. the connection. Can you get a more dated reference? It's horrible. Now he's at the station. This is still going, yes. And he's got his lady hair, like his very, very Farrah Fawcett-y blonde hair. Mm. More leaky Fawcett. Yeah. <laughs> then, we see, then we see him pinning someone. Enough! <laughs> I don't care! 
care. Enough with him. I've seen enough Jeff Jarrett for my lifetime in this moment, Joe. Can we? And you know what? I know I'm going to have to deal with more of him later. Oh, there is. It's Memphis TV in 1989. So Jeff Jarrett down our throats. Jeff Jarrett is the fucking Roman Reigns of like this era. That's not fair to Roman Reigns. He's Shut a great up. You wrestler. know it is. He's a fantastic wrestler. D- will you be serious? So Jarrett, Tracy Smothers, and <laughs> John Paul, I guess is the guy's name. Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. Jean-Paul. Jean-Ti. They're going to fight uh, the hangman, Eric something. They don't say his name, I swear. Who? And the executioner. You have a major problem with the camera work in this it's show. It's horrible. I, I'm like, it's like the camera is on the floor or something, and I'm looking up, and I can't see... <laughs> That's the main view. That's the hard camera. Yeah, it's like they sat the camera on the floor and tilted it up a little. And then, like, the other views are, like, guys just, like, standing, like, looking up at them like everyone's Andre the Giant or something. It's fucking terrible. But it just goes to show you just how shitty and low-budget and ass this is. But the fans love it. There's also a SmackDown ref. What is that yeah, about? So the refs do have, like, the blue shirts, like, they're, like almost exactly like SmackDown. And uh, then we get some happy babyface wrestling. If you've ever seen a Southern wrestle and tag team match, this is it, you know. And uh, Gossett has a funny line. He says Bon Jovi can't wrestle, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And the Quinn had a funny line. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Gossett. He's Gossett the fourth or whatever. I think the four in his name stands for four hundred pounds. <laughs> Fucking huge. I can't look at him anymore. I keep showing his fat ass. Does he even fit in the chair? That he's sitting in. He's like leaking onto the TV screen. Yeah, there's from like, like the ring view. His like elbow fat <laughs> is like in the corner of my my view of the ring. He's horrible, Joe. How did this guy have a job? He sucks. So Quinn, you also have kind of a problem with Tracy Smothers. You were he, ranting enough of him. I we we keep see he keeps cropping up. He does, yeah. Like and I he was never good ever. He never was. So stop acting like he's good. We see him all the time. It's like, oh, Tracy Smothers, Tracy Smothers, he's so fucking good. What? What? Does he? he they always like pile titles on him that have American flags all over him. <laughs> what? This guy doesn't represent my America. Maybe, maybe <laughs> the old America. South. Yeah, the Confederacy. But I, this guy is horrible, Joe. Right. He's, he's like a ho-home wrestler. He's not that good. They try to act like he's like some technical wizard or something. He's more like a Confederate wizard. Get him out of here. It's Freddie Joe Floyd for yeah. crying out loud. Jarrett gets a convoluted pin off of a dropkick, and uh, Dave Brown is now with a fat fucking hillbilly. It's Jed Grundy, who you might know better as Bastion Booger, yes. Mike Shaw. And he's not eating everything, although <laughs> no. he does have a noose or something yeah. with him. What the fuck? He's in, like, short overalls. Yeah. They're, like, they're like three-quarter pants. They're, like, yeah. kind of too short for you, him. I could tell right away he was Bastion Booger, though. The hair yeah. didn't, like, hide his boogerness. Yeah. <laughs> he has his Norman the Lunatic hair, I guess you yeah. would call it. Yeah, and uh, we get clips of him attacking someone in the darkest arena ever. The, I can't see what's the, going on. The deepest, darkest of Memphis. Like, seriously, it's like, seriously, so dark. Like I was like, how did the fans who were there yeah. see? How do you like, even see what's going on? Like I know sometimes the camera can make it seem like it's darker because some cameras are bad in low light or whatever the fuck. Are these even like, real cameras? Was there like it's a camcorder? Was there like one light bulb in the entire <laughs> arena? Like that's what it looks like, right? Yes, it does. Like not and not like a big light bulb, just like a normal light bulb. Like just you pull hanging, the chain, like the one in our our studio, the yes, chain one. It's like right. just hanging above the ring. <laughs> and, and when the guy comes out for the lighting 
lightning effects, they just pull the cord. <laughs> the ring announcer yeah. actually pulls the cord. Yeah. <laughs> so the wrestling machine got unmasked, and it was Scott Steiner. What? I yeah. couldn't even see that. <laughs> First of all, we can't even see that it's Scott Steiner because yeah. it's so damn dark. Second of all, it's just Scott Steiner like, oh, it's Scott Steiner. And then they just never talk about <laughs> yeah. it again. Who the fuck is Scott Steiner in the rel- in the relevance of this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know what his... What is he in 1989? I didn't even know he was in Memphis. I actually yeah. did not know that. This must have been right before he got called up to WCW because I know Rick was there long before he was. Yeah, Rick was there since like 87. Yeah, he'd been there for a while. Yeah. So anyway, now we get Colonel Rob Fuller. This is also, great. Yeah, also known as Rob Parker storms out to make the show better. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. He shoves a contract at Grundy to wrestle and he also calls him a big fat hog, <laughs> which is funny. Then Roger Webb tells us that on April 13th, they're going to be at some high school in Indiana and Kentucky. And you said, Quinn, this is terrible. How did Memphis keep this crap going? I don't know. I mean, they must have run on a shoestring budget in in every high school in Memphis. Yeah, Because this is like, I mean, arenas with no lighting. It's A TV show that it's like incohesive at times and weird. At the same time, it's sort of innovative. But like, you can't guess because it's like nothing structured like this. But you can't... How do they keep the lights on doing it this way? Like, I really don't know. I think that's why they only use one light bulb. Oh, of course, right. <laughs> More on Fuller in a second, but the Mason-Dixon connection are here. That's Smothers and John Paul mm-hmm. and Jarrett. And they come in and they say, we don't like the stud stable. I don't either. Yeah, no one does. Yeah. Jarrett says they're going to beat the Fuller stinking brains out. <laughs> then we go over to Colonel Rob Parker, Rob Fuller, uh-huh. with the stud stable, which includes at this time Dutch Mantel. And Action Jackson, who I looked up, it's not anyone that we've ever heard of. Yeah, the whole time I'm like, Samu. He kind of looked like Samu or Fatu or the other Fatu. Yeah. Or like one of the Samoans. Right. It's no one. We've never seen him. And it's weird, Quinn, seeing Dutch Mantel managed by someone. I like to look at this as like, he's not exactly managed as much as he's just like associated. Like they're friends. Because Dutch is obviously a great talker. Right. Awesome yeah, talker. Excellent talker. We know that from um, Smoky Mountain. Yep. We know that from just seeing him in general. He's a great talker. There's also some weird lady that they never mention just yeah, behind them. Like they never say who this is. Nope. It's just some lady who's trying to like show some leg. I guess she's like the sex appeal of CWA or she's something. She's like 70s hot. She's like glamour girl. Yeah. She looks like one of the glamour girls. <laughs> so Fuller now tells a story about how his grandfather, Roy Welch. This is amazing, by the way. I just yeah. want to say. He used to own all the wrestling around the show. Area. He owned everything. And that's where the other CWA was, you know, which became CWF. That's the Fuller. That's Continental. The actual good Continental, like the Paul Heyman style. Right. The one where Paul was. Exactly. Yeah. And now his grandfather, Roy Welch, is turning over in his grave because of this shit. What <laughs> shit? Well, Jerry Jarrett. That's right. Jeff Jarrett's dad. We're, we're going on a shoot promo here or something. It seems like it, right? Yeah. He conned Roy Welch into selling part of the company with him. With Ron's dad, Buddy Fuller, or Rob's dad, Ron and Ron are brothers. And he calls Jerry Jarrett a thief who stole the company away. And that is why Fuller hates Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. He's going to put him in the hospital if he has to order him a casket. This is awesome. This show just made a face turn with that promo. I can't do it justice. You're going to have to hear parts of it. Yeah, I mean, it really really is something because... In a weird way, it reminds me of like the pipe bomb or something. Like it, it's like an actual like we know that's true. Part of it is true, and his story is so detailed that it does seem like he's telling the truth because Jarrett like retorts later, and yeah. I don't really believe him. <laughs> it's only partially true. Yeah, Jerry Jarrett was involved with the Fullers, yes, but the way 
the colonel here is spinning it. It's not entirely the way, but it's a great promo. Yeah. So much so that if you didn't know the truth, like Quinn and I really don't know the whole history, he's so convincing. Right. It it, it seems too detailed to right. be fake. Right. Like, but uh, Dave Brown has some good lines. He's like, I've been here a long time. That's only half true. I love that Dave Brown, he doesn't totally discount now, it. Now, okay. I do and I don't like that because... I kind of like it because they're heels. Yeah, but is, is Dave Brown supposed to be, like, impartial or is he just a face? Like, why... In theory, he's impartial. He, he's the same thing as Lance Russell. He's yeah. supposed to be impartial. Well, especially but he because... he doesn't like heels. The thing is, the reason I always expect him to be more impartial, Joe, yeah. is because he's not hired by the... Um, the, the, the wrestling promoter, company yeah. like he works for the tv station <laughs> and like true. they even say it at the end in the credits yeah. like he works for the tv station so he should be like a news broadcaster and interested in the truth well if he knows what the truth is and if he says it's half truths he does say half truths he says some of what fuller said is right but not all of it but notice he doesn't say which part well so, that's for another week i guess right Gossett, of course, big fat Gossett defends Fuller all the way because he's a big fat yeah. heel. But here's a here's an interesting squash. I actually like this. Yeah. And I don't know who the jobbers are, but it's Yates, Elder, and Heenan. No, I don't know. <laughs> not Bobby the Brain. It's not Bobby Heenan, but he's fighting Quinn, Lord Humongous. Yes. This is the second Lord Humongous, the second guy to play the gimmick. And it's none other, Quinn, than Sid Vicious. Sid Justice. Yes. Psycho Sid, whatever you want to call him. He's dressed up just like Demolition, who, Quinn, you were saying. Yeah, how this is, he's dressed up like Lord Humongous from Mad Max, yep. the movie Mad Max. Which is where Demolition got their attire how from. How the fuck are they allowed to steal that? Um, like blatantly. The only theory I can come up with is that Lord Humongous is a ripoff of something else that Mad Max stole that was probably from the public domain. Because I can't I, imagine. I don't understand how these promotions aren't paying royalties. I don't know. Maybe they don't make any money to pay royalties. I'm just saying they're airing on television a character that's ripped off. Lord Humongous is literally a character. With the name and everything. Yeah, the name, right. Whereas Demolition just had like similar attire. Right. This is Lord Humongous. The Lord Humongous. From the movie. Yeah. (laughs) So it's very interesting. I am gravely disappointed. Again, you have made me unleash my jokes of war. Oh, it's live, pal. But it's Sid. It's a, a pretty green Sid before the NWA, you know, before WCW. Yeah. Uh, and he basically just power bombs one of the guys, hel- helicopter crucifix slam to another. Some of this looks dangerous. It's like very he's, sloppy. He's too green and he yeah. could kill these people. And he pins one guy with another. Like he puts one of the guys on top of the other and holds right, them both right. down. That's how you do a big squash, though, for a guy that's making an impact, right? Yeah. I mean, a three-on-one handicap, have Sid just kill them, basically, literally almost kill them. Almost kill them. The one powerbomb, it looked like he was going to drop somebody on his head. It was dangerous, yeah. uh, Uh, And then now, Jarrett and Mason Dixon Connection are back to retort. Jarrett, I was actually surprised, because he he was not a good promo in his early days. I didn't think he was good here. I didn't think he was convincing at all. I was going to say that he wasn't good. But he was better than I thought he would be. That was a okay. I thought he'd be stepping yeah. all over his words. He wasn't bad. He says Fuller has gone a little too far. I like the way Jared handles it. He doesn't outright come out and say like everything you said was untrue. He's like, you went a little too far. My dad's not a thief. Yeah, yeah. and Nixon's not a crook. Yeah, <laughs> and Nixon. He, he says he's going to ask Jerry the real story. He's going to get to the bottom How of this. How does he not know? He said Jerry. Jared never told him. See? Yeah, bullshit. They're, they're leaving doubt in this. this. I like it. Kid's a fucking heel. I don't know if he's a heel. He's more just like entitled. How about mm. that? Which I guess would make him a heel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he's a fucking heel. John Paul and Tracy are also a little upset. Tra- Tracy Smothers calls uh, Ronnie <laughs> yeah. a fat slob, which yes, is true. 
And of course, because this is Memphis, he has to end the promo by saying, kiss my grits. Yes, which is from some t- 80s TV show. That I thought I it was Mama's Family. It's not Mama's Family. I think that's a mistake. I think it's from, what is that show where this lady works at a diner or something? Mama's like, Family. It's not Mama's What's it Family. From? What's it from? I'm going to find out right now. I don't remember. Somebody's going like, to... Alice. Alice. It's from it. Alice. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. from Alice. Well, yeah. good enough. I'm sure Petey knows all about Alice. Kiss my grits. Yeah, kiss my grits. Tell her she can kiss my grits. <laughs> Quinn, let's go back to the stud stable. We have Dutch calling Jerry Jarrett a low-life egg-sucking thief. What was the deal with egg-sucking in the 80s? What is that expression? Uh, what, is it, what does that mean? Does it just sound, like, funny? Is that, like, yeah. really it? JR thinks it's really hilarious when he launches into his Terry Funk impression. Well, You're just, an egg-sucking dog! The thing is, I think he gets that because Terry Funk would say egg-sucking, yeah. so why the fuck did he say egg-sucking? Is it like a euphemism for, you know... Yeah, I assume so. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Anyway, hey, Undertaker's there. What? With a do-rag. Out of nowhere. <laughs> he just it, is it, back there in the stable. M- minus any, ah, American badass because he looks exactly like American Badass Undertaker. He's got jeans on, like a vest or he's whatever. He's got like the jean vest yeah. on with the do rag. He looks like the uh, the booger red American Badass yeah. version, right? Yeah. The short hair and everything. Now here he's known as Master of Pain, right? Which Not American Badass. Later on, he would become the Master of Kane. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Dave Brown gets very upset at Dutch. He's like, "You need to stop. That's enough." <laughs> Gossett waddles into the frame. They couldn't like fit him in before, I swear. Yeah. So he was like off to the side and then he like <laughs> waddles in and he agrees with the stable. Undertaker's back there making faces. Then, of course, the king wanders out with promoter. Yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah. And he looks like a fucking doofus in a he, cape. They're so, like, everyone's in like street clothes and he comes out in a cape. And his cape and his spandex tights and his unified title, Quinn. Yes. Now, the unified title that he had at the time was a unification. <laughs> of like wonderful the, unification the world-class title the memphis title the awa title maybe i'm not really I don't sure think the awa they might have been he's got eddie marlin with him who i remember from the 93 memphis that we watched oh. eddie marlin is like the old man promoter commissioner president he's whatever he kicking is around here he's kicking around and uh king calls gossett a fat tub of lard well, that's not far from the it's truth. Pretty accurate. And then he reads some fan letters. He's got like a whole handful of letters. The fans are complaining. Fans are complaining about gossip being there and being fat. They and, do. Uh, they do complain about his fatness. They're very as well. upset about this fat man. Eddie Marlin explains, "No, I didn't hire the guy." And then Dave Brown butts in. He's like, "Hey, I work for the TV station. And yeah, I didn't hire they just him either." Break the fucking fourth wall here again with the. Why is it just like known that he doesn't work for the company? I think that's part of the charm. <laughs> yeah. Is that it's on a TV station. So like everyone knows that it's, <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's supposed to be part of the appeal there. And then King is pretty much, well, you don't work here, Gossett. No one hired you. <laughs> yeah. Eddie Marlin's like, yeah, you got to get out. You know what? Jerry Lawler is very much the John Cena of Memphis. Yeah. At see, this point, very, I, I was waiting for him to like pump his sneakers and like <laughs> throw a t-shirt to the crowd. Yeah. And, and pull up, <laughs> put a never give up like sign up. <laughs> So Dutch wields a chair. Undertaker's back there rooting for Gossett. He's like, yeah, you get him. Yeah, he's doing nothing. <laughs> he's very useless right now. King hops into the ring, and he's on the mic, and he yells for Gossett to peel his shirt off and fight him. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Gossett calls King an idiot and accuses him of, and I quote, handpicking the slant-eyed Japs. Yeah. 
to wrestle against. Really? You have to hand put the pick those slant-eyed Japs over there. Um, slant-eyed Japs is a phrase that was said on Memphis television in 1989. So do not hold me accountable. It's real. I'm, I heard it. I am quoting gossip here. I can verify. That's right. It was said. He's really on an egg roll there. He says if King beats Dutch or Undertaker, then Gossett will fight him. King says fine. Either one of those jerks. So Undertaker steps up. That's right. Master of Pain getting involved here. Yep. Gossett says, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. We need a contract here because we want to make sure this is legal and it's for the title. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Have a contract so Undertaker's going to fight King. Remember when Undertaker fought King? Yeah, remember <laughs> that match? Well, you're about to see it. Then we find out it's going to be a no DQ title match for King's unified title, which I completely missed. It's okay, by the they way. snuck it in. Yeah, and King says the last time he wrestled this big jerk, Dutch Mantell interfered. <laughs> so Dutch better get out of here. And Dave Brown's like, "Yeah, good move." Yeah, King. what's that? He, again, he's supposed to be impartial. I don't like that. That him like, yeah, I get him. Like it's like he like nudging him. Yeah. Like, oh, good move. Yeah, good, good move, King. Good King. move. This whole deal is off. Unless he's out of the studio. I'm not wrestling him as long as you're in here, Dutch. Yeah, good move. <sighs> it's like, why don't you kick King's, kiss King's butt, too? Or his grits or whatever. Or his feet. Yeah. <laughs> King gets a security guy to come over here and escort Dutch out of here. Right. And Gossett's like, you're not a cop, you're an imposter. This is a whole scene going on, folks. Dutch when is the wrestling on this show? Like, we've seen like two matches. Jeez. So Dutch protests, but King is all, hey, why are you protesting? What, were you going to interfere? Yeah, what's the that, problem? He does make a good point. He got him there. He's like, what's the big deal? Why are you protesting if, if you weren't going to interfere? What does right, it matter? Right. Yeah. And then we have a really cool shot. I really like this, actually. We go all the way through to the back of the studio, yes. literally out the door. We actually get to see what the parking lot of this studio yeah, looks like. Which I thought was really cool. And then Taker and King actually start their match, and we get a bunch of punches by King. Gossett waddles around on the outside, by the way, with the mic, yeah. with the commentary he's mic. He's, like, making comments, like, while he's waddling and, like, yeah. cheering them on. But he's not on commentary. He's, like, just making comments. And doesn't King, like, kick at him at one point? Yeah. Because he makes fun of King, and yeah. King just, like, kicks him. Right. So Day Taker uh, blocks a punch here and starts wailing away. We get some slow Undertaker heel offense by Master of Pain. He's literally the same. He's wrestling like the Undertaker. Like, deliberately. Yeah. But he gets a really poor flying shoulder block and then a body slam, a big leg drop. Then he accidentally takes out referee Jerry Calhoun by accident here. Totally unintentional. That's true. And Undertaker didn't cheat. And then as he's checking on the ref, King attacks him. Right. What the hell? However, more it's he's not all innocent. He's trying to yeah, help the ref up. But how are you defending a heel checking on a ref and a face attacking him for it? I'm not defending You just turned heel. It. I, all I'm saying is Based on what happens afterwards here. Yeah, he was trying to get the ref up. None of that would have happened if the ref wasn't How down. do you know that he wasn't trying to keep the ref down? What do you mean? It's a no DQ match, first of all, so the ref doesn't need to stay down. I know. Well, that's, that's, in, that's indifferent. Got but, you. Yeah. King's a jerk. How about that? Dropkick by the King. Backstage Dutch is fighting his way back. A Japanese guy runs out. I don't know if it's one of the ones that Gossa was referring to. I think it was, I but I don't know why I he was helping. I don't know. The executioner runs out. Dutch runs out while handcuffed still to the security guard. <laughs> Axon Jackson runs out. Dutch throws the billy club from the security guard into the ring. Taker whacks King with it. And believe it or not, the Undertaker. Yes, they that Undertaker. Wins the unified title as we have a big heel celebration. 
and Gossett gets in the ring and kicks King a bunch of times while like fat dancing around. And I ask you, does King have friends? Yes. What, where, what? Like, why are there only heel? Like, no one's out. They're just beating the fuck out of yeah, him. Yeah, Tracy Smothers nowhere to be found. And it's an odd reversal of fortune compared to Royal Rumble '94. <laughs> like, you know, like it takes the entire roster to beat King, and then next, you know, in '94, it takes later. the entire roster to beat Undertaker. See, he had it coming to him. Yeah, but it's funny though. No one's saving King. Yeah. He's getting the shit beat out of him by a bunch where, of heels and a fat manager. Where is Jeff Jarrett? Where's Tracy Smothers? Yeah, where's all those losers? John Paul. John Paul. <laughs> Gossett and Taker gloat with the belt backstage. Taker has Zubas on in this promo, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's why funny. All the, clearly not filmed <laughs> no, at the time at all. Because they're talking about how they're going to have a rematch at some high school. Yeah, some nonsense. Dave Brown is with King. King apologizes. He's very serious and very somber. Quinny apologizes. Shut up and shave your chest, King. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I hate when they're like, I apologize for losing. Like, I let the fans down. Like, it's like, my life didn't depend on you winning a match, King. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, you think I got, I got better things to worry about in my life than yeah, what the about, unified Memphis pick belt or whatever. What about Hank the Hick fan watching the Homer? Oh, there, there, see that there, Dorsa? King is off title there. I can't go to work tomorrow. Whatever. I, I, I just, I don't, I think it's offensive to even to, to, Hank over there to like be like I let you down. Speaking of which, King kind of takes a shot at the NWA and the WWF by saying that they were like kind of didn't have guts for not unifying their belts. Yeah, well, first of all, why is he talking about that like he's lost it? And yeah. he, he's like he's like, "Oh, I take pride in this belt because two wrestling promotions were willing to put their yeah, their guts out of the four the of them. Yeah, he's like, "We invited four. Yeah. And only two had the guts." First of all, this is lower than WWF and NWA. Why? They, they don't need to lower themselves to this. Do you see where you're wrestling? You don't like, like <laughs> I mean, yeah. Do you see this place? There's curtains and like the cameraman is running outside and yeah. then running back inside to film the match. Yeah. Like there's not like a dedicated <laughs> camera outside. Do you know who the two world champions were at this time? It was like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan or maybe Ricky Steamboat exactly. and Hulk Hogan. That's all, that all needs to be said. Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan are the other champions. And we're going to be fighting the Undertaker, Master of Pain Undertaker down there. It's weird to think that there was a time where the three major world champions were Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> in 1989. That's very astute. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't call this a major title, though. Who? I wonder who the <laughs> Japanese champion was. I don't know, actually. It was probably Muta. Yeah, it was something. probably Muta. <laughs> yeah. And also, King has one final line. He says, This Master of Pain guy is not world title material, which, yeah, he wasn't. Well, it's kind of a lie, though, because in like three years he would be. <laughs> yeah, but not 1989, he's not. And that's kind of it. Dave Brown says goodbye. He's like, All right, folks, next time. And well, that was weird as hell. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Weird show. Epilogue here is that King did, in fact, win the title back about three weeks later. Of course. Is Part it, of the course for Memphis. So now you were explaining to me that Memphis, they would just, King would lose the oh belt my and then God. beat the next guy. Yeah. Like, he'd regain it back at the next house show. I think King's like, not what only, is he, like 700 time champion? Not only was he like a 31 time Southern champion, I think he's like a 17, 18, 19 time USWA Memphis Basically, CWA champion. However yeah. many months yeah. he was there, <laughs> like he was the champion. He was. Because every month he'd win the title. Constantly winning and losing it. Yeah. Constantly. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if shortly after this, like, Lord Humongous won it from him and the King won it back. It was that type of thing. Whereas in the WWF, you had a face champion for a long time. And in the NWA, in this time, you had a heel champion for the long time. In Memphis, you just traded it with King. I'll tell you what, it seems like a promotion that was right for the pickings for like somebody like Dino Bravo to walk in and say he was a world champion. <laughs> I think Tatanka was in like 93. 
why, that helps why you feel wouldn't better. Be? Yeah. I think Savage might have been yeah. in 93 during the crossover. You know, and, We should one time read the list of like all the champions. Okay, let's do it. Let's see if we can do it now. Oh, God, Joe. Let's it's do probably, it now. It probably would take us a decade. All right, so I got the lineage, Quinn. So the King won it at Super Clash 3, December 13th, 1988. Mm-hmm. He was the AWA champion. He defeated Kerry Von Erich to win the world-class belt. There's the unified title, okay? Okay. What is the official name of this title, just so I know? This is the USWA Unified World Title. USWA Unified World Heavyweight Title. That was the last time it was called that. Okay. All right? Master of Pain, April 1st, 1989. Wow, he was only the second champion. Yes. Jerry Lawler, mm-hmm. the soul taker. You know who that is? The Undertaker's dad. Papa Shango. Oh, <laughs> oh close. Jerry Lawler. Yeah. King Cobra. Mm-hmm. Jerry Lawler. Jimmy Valiant. Jerry Lawler, Jimmy Valiant, Jerry Lawler, <laughs> Snowman, yep. Vacated, Vacant One, <laughs> Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler, <laughs> Awesome Kong, not that one, <laughs> not Jerry the, Lawler, not the female version, <laughs> The Dragon Master, Jerry Lawler, Kamala, Jerry Lawler, <laughs> Vacated, Kamala, Vacated, Kamala, Coco Beware, Kamala, Jerry Lawler, Eddie Gilbert, <laughs> Ricky Morton, Eddie Gilbert, Junkyard Dog. Oh my God. Butch Reed. Listen, I, just by the way, we're only in 1992. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Champion, Jerry Lawler, Coco Beware, Jerry Lawler, Papa Shango, Jerry Lawler. I mean, Owen Hart, Jerry Lawler. How did he become Papa Shango all of a sudden? Because it's 93. Uh, <laughs> Tatanka, Jerry Lawler, Randy Savage, what? Vacated, Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Lawler, Eddie Gilbert, Jerry Lawler, Eddie Gilbert, Jerry Lawler, Sid Vicious, Jerry Lawler, Jerry Bill- Lawler, that's 20 now. 20 Ready for this? Yeah. Bill Dundee, Razor Ramon. <laughs> Come on, in 1995. Jerry Lawler, Ahmed Johnson, Jeff Jarrett, vacated, Jerry Lawler, vacated, Jerry Lawler, Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Lawler, Sid Vicious, Jerry Lawler, the Colorado Kid, Jerry Lawler, <laughs> Tank, Jerry Lawler, King Reginald, Jerry Lawler, Dutch Mantel, vacated. Now, I want to know that Jerry Lawler had 28 <laughs> reigns with a combined 1,760, that only 1,764 days at 28 reigns. And you know the, the second highest number of reigns is four. With no, the se- uh, yeah, it's four. Eddie Gilbert and Kamala. <laughs> <laughs> How Holy t- shit. And and that's not counting all the ununified reigns Jerry right. Lawler probably yeah. had. So. All of his other Memphis titles. Holy right. shit. Okay. That said, what did you think of that show overall, Quinn? Um, Other than the Fuller stuff, it was kind of trashy. It was kind of meandering. The, the Undertaker stuff was kind of fun. It was but, fun. Eh. It wasn't good in it the wasn't traditional good. It sense. It was cheap, but yeah. it wasn't bad. I loved the Fuller promo. Mm-hmm. I love Ron Fuller. Rob Fuller, Rob Parker. Yeah. Ron Fuller's not that good. I like Rob Rob Fuller. Right. Um, Colonel Parker. Great promo. That mm-hmm. was fun. That was intriguing. Jeff Jarrett can get out of here for all I care. Enough of him. Tracy Smothers can get out of here for all I care in this show. Right. The King was funny. Yeah. Making fun of Gossip. The stuff with Gossip where they're making all fun of him. that stuff was fun. That was fun. And The Undertaker winning was fun. It wasn't right. like good or anything. It was like barely a match, but it was fun. Right. And I like, oh, I like the Lord Humongous Squash was fun. Yeah. Um, Painful, but fun. I don't know. It, it, to Overall? Me, it, it was kind of whatever. Four out of ten? Yeah, four out of ten. <laughs> but I want to thank... Other uh, than the Fuller thing. Yeah. yeah. And I want to thank Petey for recommending that because that was notable. And folks, we yeah. want to thank you for being here, for listening. Thanks for being here for yet another week. Join us next week, the last show of April. On April 30th, we will be doing episode number 79. You know what that means? Right after that, to kick off May, will be the season finale. That'll We're be- already... 
climbing towards May. What's so that? It'll be a uh, 79. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And until next time, folks, thanks so much for being with us. Reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group. And of course, if you want to donate, go to patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. Until next time, I am Joe Morata. That's Mr. 79, Michael Quinn. We will see you next week. See ya. I am going to tell you the story. Okay. You listen real close. All right. Because I'm going to tell you straight. I'm not going to add no lies. I'm not going to deviate from the truth one ounce. I'm going to look right into this camera and tell you exactly what happened. That my grandfather used to own this whole darn outfit. I'm talking about Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, all around. My grandfather, that's right. Roy Welch. One time, one of the finest men that ever crawled in a wrestling ring. And then again later on, the greatest promoter to ever promote a wrestling match. I'm talking about Roy Welch, my grandfather. Well, old Roy... He's laying up there right now in dire Tennessee, and he's laying in his grave. He's not here no more, but he's laying face down, if you know what I'm talking about. The reason he's face down is because of everything that's happened here. He's had to turn over in his grave. Now, don't take that lightly, because I'm going to tell you why he turned over. Because when my grandfather rode up and down these roads and was getting older, and maybe a little bit senile, and maybe not as able to carry himself along the road, here come a young fella up named Jerry Jarrett. And Jerry Jarrett, just starting his wrestling career, said, Oh, Mr. Welch, I'll be more than proud to be able to haul you up and down the road. You know what I'm talking about out there, Jerry Jarrett. That Jerry Jarrett rode down the road with him. He yesered him. He con-manned him. He saw that he was senile, and he had a weakness, and he used it against him. And I'm talking about used it against him well enough that half of that area that I just explained to you went right to Jeff Jarrett. I went to Jerry Jarrett. Now, what was supposed to have happened is there's one man that that was entitled to have that, and that man was my father, Buddy Fuller. That man was was the son of Roy Welch, who deserved and was supposed to have what was coming to him, the five-state area. Now, you have to realize something. What are you saying? What I'm saying is that... Will you stop? Stop, stop, stop?